1: To start in 10, 9,
0: 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one He'll
2: be fine on the mountain.
3: It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina!
4: Touchdown, Ace Sanders! Junge, to be a first Pressure, Penny just dives in! Dodger.
3: Bill Mullinax and Jamie Bradford.
5: Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partners of Gamecock Athletics, Sinorama.com, located in West Columbia, Gamecock owned and Operated, built by the Barndo code, the com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee. And of course, they are Gamecock owned and operated as well. And Chicken Cock Whiskey keeps us happy in happy times and happy and sad times. Chicken Cock, you can find it on the Chief Sports app uh, by clicking on the uh, Chicken Cock. Challenge. Type in your address and whatever store near you has it. That is where you can go to get it. We are proud partners with Chicken Cock Bourbon. You see Mad Dog, you see myself, JC. Uh, We'll be back in the next couple of days. He uh, took a trip to Vegas this weekend. That was the site of the Super Bowl, of course. And now the NFL is over after the uh, 49ers fell last night in overtime to the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, congratulations to the Chiefs for winning their second Super Bowl. In a row. That is something. Uh Pat Mahomes is climbing the record boards. He's not even thirty years old yet. So congratulations to those guys for all of you that stayed up late and uh and were able to watch that game. We're glad to have you this morning as you get your work week started. Carolina basketball, a new top twenty five, will be out today. We'll see where they are. We know where they'll be on Wednesday. That's the Plains of Auburn to take on the Tigers. And um Auburn got their butts kicked this week down in the swamp in Gainesville so this technically could kind of still be for first place we'll see the Gamecocks are tied with the tide of Alabama right now at nine and two so we'll get to all that and then coming up Friday Gamecock baseball will be underway here in 2024 tomorrow Mark Kingston will join us at noon uh, for an extensive preview of his group this year And then we'll also talk to him on Friday, amongst others, because we will be live in Founders Park uh, for Inside the Gamecocks, the show that game or that uh, broadcast will begin at 10 a.m., 10 a.m. on Friday from Founders Park. So looking forward to that. Uh, The ladies stay unbeaten. They take down UConn yesterday at Colonial Life Arena pretty easily, to be honest with you, even without Camilo Cardoso and others. And they just continue to roll right along as the top team in college basketball with all that said mad dog hope you had a good weekend uh good morning good morning good morning yeah
6: had a good weekend super bowl weekend uh i don't know my my wife got into a little car accident
5: another Uh, one
6: okay everybody's okay this was her not me this time (laughs) the uh but yeah yeah um so having to deal with that and getting everybody off to school, one car here until a rental comes through from the insurance company. But, you know, you got to love that and everything. Uh, That's why you pay for good
5: insurance. Well, that's, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, But but I feel like y'all have, y'all have had a ton of car trouble. We have had,
6: yeah, three car accidents in six months, which is odd after having years of no issues whatsoever. So yeah, it's uh. I don't know. Maybe we were just storing them up all here at once and, and we'll use all our runs here. And then there'll be another set of years before we have to worry about any of this again.
5: <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, so, yeah. hold on. Let me get did this it, straight. Did she get run into? Yes. Oh man. God bless the soul that did that. <laughs> She
6: was, uh, it kind of shook her up a little bit. So she, she didn't get out as, as, you know, crazy and, and raving as she could have, I guess. No, no, that's uh yeah, never would never do that, uh, at the scene of an accident, but, uh, was actually hit by fellow Gamecocks. So, uh mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, Did you okay tell them who her husband is? is? They did. She did. <laughs> she did. So. Now, that's funny. I ended up having to go out there and meet them, uh, the, but that's everything went well. Of... And, um, yeah, I don't know. They didn't even have to. They didn't. Even, they didn't even call the police or anything. Everybody just decided to insurance on their own because uh, it was. I don't know. Probably was her fault. Uh, ultimately, she pulled out in front of somebody coming out of a parking lot onto the main road. So yeah, they. Uh, but everybody was allowed to drive on their way without having to pay court costs or, or any fines or anything like that. So we're good to go. Golly. I'm happy with the result.
5: You don't run into the mad dog family. Great goodness. <laughs> you yeah. should know better than that. That's,
6: that's insane. Yeah, especially with wife and kid too. It was like, Oh yeah, I, I was uh, a little irritated, but come to find out everybody was okay. And then, you know, you just kind of settle in, but they're a little shaken up, but everybody was safe and had on seat belts.
5: So we're, we're good to go. I'm glad everybody's okay. I'm glad everybody's okay. Uh, we're just settling in ourselves. John will be along in 10 minutes. We'll get an extensive GameCop baseball preview with him and talk plenty of hoops as well. And then the final two hours will be jo- joined by the Golden Tones of the great Mike Morgan. We'll take a drive around the SEC and amongst other things. He, of course, was on the air this weekend over in Fayetteville for the Dogs and the Hogs. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that game amongst others. But uh, South Carolina, could be could be in the top 10 today uh, based on uh, what happened over the weekend with uh, with other programs losing across the country it's been actually pretty unique to be honest with you because i have found myself doing what we all do during football season which is being invested in the in in the sport its entirety you know like looking around the country watching other games uh trying to figure out who's doing what and, and how that may affect seating or not affect seating. And I, I, I found it actually. So I, I made an interesting compare comparable in my head this weekend, Phil, because we're going to, we've heard for years about the college football playoff and if it expands to 12 teams and then if it, it expands to 16 teams about how it's going to ruin the sport and all these things and, and you're and, you know, it's, well, none of these games are going to matter and this, that, and the other. I, I don't think you have to do a whole lot more than just look at basketball. I mean, I I think that a ton of games matter. I mean, you're you're like, for instance, if you have a, we're a Gamecocks show, so we use the Gamecocks as an example here, but if you have a, you know, seven and one South Carolina football team or even seven and two depending on who's left on the schedule and you've got a 12-team playoff or a 16-team playoff and let's say that you're ranked 20th you're probably as opposed to every other year going well we're not going to be in the playoffs this year we're not going to be in the top four that's not going to be the case so you'll be looking around the country watching what's going on so Look no further than basketball season with what the Gamecocks are doing right now. Where they are, they're in the tournament as of now. They're a lock according to ESPN, but also seating and placement and where you'll go and who you'll play. All those. So for the fans that just are, are are totally totally engaged in this thing, you know, being able to kind of wrap your arms around college basketball, watch it all. I think it's been really neat, and it's been a long, long time since we've been able to do that around here. Watch what maybe a game in the big 10 or the big 12 or the big East, how that may affect us here, little old South Carolina uh, and Columbia program that generally doesn't have anything to do with any of this stuff. I I just think it's been fascinating. Yeah, it really has. I mean, and, and
6: not just paying attention to the, you know, the, the sport as a whole, but I mean, we're having to, we're in a position now where we're looking at the upper echelon of teams, right. And seeing how they perform. Uh, and as <laughs> to get a feel for where the Gamecocks rank and how they look and, and if they would match up well with others. And, and right now, I, I think the, you know, the team is, can st- stand with anybody on the court. I, I mean, I don't think there's anything we've seen out of this men's team that says, uh you know, if they're playing well, then they can hang with anybody in the country, regardless of what little numbers are by their, by their team names.
5: Yeah. I, 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 look, I wholeheartedly agree. John Rothstein and his top 45 has them at number seven today at number seven. And we've just seen how their defense travels and how it can, I mean, you, you take the first 20 minutes of the Vanderbilt game this weekend. And, and of course we'll talk about all this here in a little bit, but you take the first 20 minutes and and you really felt like they were losing by four points at halftime, but because of how they play basketball. There was just nothing. There was nothing inside of me that was like, oh, this is going to be a tricky day. It was literally just thinking like what Coach Perr says all the time, just keep doing what you do, but just do it better. And they had some wide open shots and they missed them. Second half, that didn't happen. You know, BJ Mack proved on Saturday why BJ Mack needs to continue to shoot threes, because when he hits them, it just opens up everything offensively for South Carolina. And, and he did. He hit them on Saturday. And then of course the big, the big, big story. CMB, Colin Murray, boyles I mean, dude, he's just he's he's. Uh, you're run. We're running out of words because he's got right. the nat. He's got the natural basketball ability, instinct stuff, kind of like Gigi. However, you know, it's Gigi was more of a developed player from the outside as well. Colin has had that in his arsenal. He, he doesn't, I guess, have it right now. But every everywhere else and what he does defensively, offensively, the ball's in the air. He's around the rim. He's probably coming down with it. Um, You know, being able to move without the basketball, move with the. I mean, Phil, we've watched this cat grow up, and now all of a sudden we've watched him in the last two weeks not only grow up but explode onto the national scene. Everybody's paying attention now. And and prior to it was kind of the guards. Pay attention to 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 B.J. Mack, Where's Miles Studi? Now you got this cat. I mean, it, it, it's they, they're they've added another way to beat you, and it's crazy. It's just crazy to watch this kid play basketball. Nuts.
6: Yeah, exactly. It was like you know a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago we we're talking about Josh Gray and his emergence. You know, as being you know the Gamecocks' best post player, and and now they've got a presence down there, but. My goodness! Now you've got a freshman who's also emerged as a a very strong post threat. Uh, somebody who you know plays well right under the basket and is not afraid to go up and just grab rebounds right out of the air uh, in the face of frankly some guys that are you know well over seven feet tall. We've seen it yeah. now in the past few games. I mean, this kid just is not wilting at all. Uh, and continues to just grow as a player right in front of our eyes. You're right. I mean, that, that's exactly the way it is, JP.
5: Hey, uh, we're gonna have a, a nice conversation with uh, John Whittle about this coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Some news out from out west, by the way. Um, this is interesting, really interesting. Generally, I wouldn't just interrupt what we're talking about to plug in something to do with ULA, take a hard left turn and way out in the left field but you know last week chip kelly departed the program for ohio state to become their offensive coordinator which was a little bit i mean i don't know not sh- i mean yeah str- it was strange it was definitely strange we, you don't see that often it's just gotten stranger ucla according to zach barnett of dot com, is set to hire deshaun foster as its next coach. Now, he probably remembers Deshaun Foster played for the Bruins from ninety eight until oh one and was an all American, um, went to the NFL, you know, played for the Panthers. Heard, I mean, I'm surely everybody around here remembers when he played for Carolina, uh, played for the 49ers, um, got into coaching about eleven years ago, it looks like. I didn't realize that. Uh, And then he came back to UCLA as their running backs coach. According to Zach Barnett, he was set to become the Raiders running backs coach this year, like coming up in 2024. But now we'll return to Westwood as the head coach, replacing Chip Kelly. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be, yeah, interesting.
6: I don't. I don't know. It's you feel like the UCLA, USC, uh, West, and and you know those Cal and and Stanford. I mean, with the current state of their conference setup, how attractive are those jobs? And Quantrill brings one up. He says, "I don't know how attractive that job is." It's Rutgers with better weather. That might be right, Well, because <laughs> you are the other school yeah. in the area, right? UCLA, as as weird as that sounds, because we're not talking about basketball.
7: Um, yeah,
5: but
6: I mean, all the travel that these teams are going. I mean, we're it's right now it's just kind of academic, and we we just you know think about having to make three thousand mile trips to go play football games. But when the reality of that sets in. I think it's going to have a greater impact than a lot of people are kind of imagining right now. And it's going to make these jobs less and less attractive as things move on. Uh, You might even see coaches considering leaving late in the season, if they're not doing well and just be like, you know what, whatever, I found another job. <laughs> yeah. I, I can move on. I I, I can just uh, pay the penalty on this contract to go get another one where I don't have to deal with quite the headaches on top of all the normal headaches that come with being a head coach at the power five, four level uh, right? with the portal and, and NIL and all this other stuff. I mean, it's just, it's going to be very strange, I think, for quite a few teams here playing some of these games.
5: I totally agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, to be a power five football coach is an attractive opportunity. There's no doubt. Um, but but to your point, yeah, like if you if they're trying to lure away somebody who's in a little bit of a better situation, all considered everything you just mentioned, probably a lot more difficult sell than it was just a year or two ago. Deshaun Foster, of course, is going to jump at the opportunity. He did, and he'll be named the head football coach at UCLA. So that is really, really interesting. Welcome to the Big Ten, Deshaun Foster. It's going to look a little bit different than when you played um, back in the late 90s and early, early 2000s. All right, uh, it is 1120, so we need to step aside. John Whittle is waiting patiently with the Big Spur. When we return, we'll take a deeper dive into GameCop basketball Set for a top 15 showdown on the Plains of Auburn Wednesday. And coming up Friday at Founders Park, Gamecock Baseball Returns. Can't wait. John Little, up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, this show. Down here in the South,
1: we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate... We can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South.
3: It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of Love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. electric
5: bikes of charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels magnum velatric event bikes and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBytesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bites of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show.
1: Hey, Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks! <laughs>
6: Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is presented to you by the minium Co., of course, built by, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and Dixie Vodka, of, of which we m- may have had a, a little bit too much over the weekend. But hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. What do you want for nothing? <laughs> We're joined now by John Whittle of the Big Spur. John, how are you doing this morning? What would you think of the game last night?
7: I, I'm doing great. I, I figured that... Uh... I mean, I, I'm never surprised to not see JC. I didn't. I didn't realize that you had run off Jamie Bradford too.
6: I'm, I'm <laughs> no. slowly, but surely taking over the entire chief <laughs> network. Uh, it's it's going to be all Phil <laughs> all the time.
7: <laughs> I love it. I think that's great news. That's I, I'll, I'll come on and be a guest whenever you need me. <laughs> Excellent. But, <laughs> awesome. Good to hear, John. <laughs> but, but I, I was I, I enjoyed the game last night. I was locked in. I was certainly uh, pulling for one team over the other. Um and, and not the one that uh ended up winning, but you know, nice. it, i I was just happy for a good game regardless, and and that's uh that's that's what we got, I think.
5: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to see Debo and Javon try to bring a ring home, but yeah. It wasn't wasn't in the cards last night, I guess. I don't know. There's a bunch of people today that say the NFL's rigged. I don't know that I'd go that far, but uh at least we're we, at least we don't have to deal with the whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing anymore, right?
7: <laughs>
6: well, at least for another six months. <laughs> well, you
7: know, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure there there will still they'll be some them. constant reporting on uh, on on what's happening with those two. So, yeah, be, best wishes to them both. Go good luck. Yeah,
5: they'll find a way. You're no doubt. There's no doubt about that. They'll they'll figure out a way to make it their front and center. All right, we'll get to baseball in a minute, John. Uh, we're starting to it up only a few days away from from first pitch, but let's lead off with Carolina basketball. They did what they should have done this past week and took care of business, but that old Miss wins, and i it, it, that's a good basketball team, and it's going to be quite the challenge when they have to return the trip to Oxford a little bit later on in the year, but nonetheless, here they are. Uh, they sit at 21-3. and three. They'll have a new, uh, about an hour and a half away from now, we'll, we'll get some new rankings, and um, they're primed to move up the teams that are just in front of them pretty much all lost uh this this past week and and so we could be staring at top 15 think this nobody can actually raise their hand and say yeah I'm, oh I shoot I had a feeling before the season that when they, they when Carolina made the trip to Alabama that that's probably definitely going to be a top 15 top 10 type matchup i mean that just sounds bonkers but here we are, and when they do play this game, it's very likely South Carolina is going to be the higher ranked team in Neville Arena Wednesday night. John, it's it's amazing.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't see anything like this coming, and uh, nor did anybody else. Obviously, you know, even the most optimistic of folks couldn't have have really projected projected this one um but you know they they've earned it every bit of the way i mean they they did have a weak non-conference schedule and you know i think that's a big part of what pulls south carolina down in in the net rankings but um you know they've gone out and, and beaten some really good teams done it at home and on the road here in sec play and you know it it does uh competition level does tick up here a little bit these last seven games but south carolina's uh risen to the challenge uh for the most part, uh, over the course of this season. And there's no reason to to feel like there's any kind of collapse coming or anything like that. I, I imagine they will continue to, to, uh, to step up and play well.
5: Yeah, so of the last seven that are remaining, five are quad one opportunities. First, the trip to Auburn, and then following that trip to Ole Miss and A&M, followed by, at the end of the year, back-to-back quad ones, to finish the season as the Vols will walk in to Colonial Life Arena and then a return trip to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Florida Gators sure have things going in the right direction as well. They whipped Auburn this weekend down uh, in, uh, w- well, we're just going to call it the swamp because I'm not getting into the whole O'Connell Center exact tech arena and this, that, and the other. It's, it's, it's the Odom, uh, And then you've got LSU coming to town, too. So to your point – so let, let let's get into let's let's talk about that for a second john because um i feel like there needs to be some clarification i was actually on with bill in this morning talking about some of this the the net rankings so like it feels like on times and i and i and i understand why fans are frustrated when they hear maybe it's us and i'm not including you in this but me jc phil whoever on our program or what, there's another one out there somewhere they read something and and they keep hearing the phrase well don't don't worry about the net don't worry about the net well they're sitting on well, no hold on just a second <laughs> all i've been told is to worry about the net you know don't worry about the rankings worry about the net now don't worry about the net because we keep dropping in the net rankings my, my i'm going to my response to that and then i i want to get your response and see if maybe we're on the same wavelength here if you can add to this um my response to that is the net ranking well, it always matters, but it it matters more for each team in which the season that they play. And what I what I mean by that, or and at what point in time in the season they play. What I mean by that is, we had a lot of um, a lot of hopes and dreams type seasons under Frank Martin, right? You know, t- teams that if things were right, they could be on the bubble. Net ranking was really going to matter. Then had South Carolina maybe dropped. I don't know, two or three other games this year at some point in time, this this net ranking would be much more valuable. But now they've put themselves into a position to where the net ranking is more of a tool for seeding, I think, and less a tool as to whether they are going to or are not going to be into the tournament. Um, So I would say this with five quad one opportunities left and no big boogers left you know vanderbilt you don't have to play these guys again you, there's no quad four chances to lose uh with five quad ones left you're going to have plenty of chances to continue to improve that net ranking regardless of that though while it will pop, will probably be used as a tool in and uh, their seeding it will right now it is going to have zero effect on whether they are in or not into the tournament
7: yeah, I mean, I certainly agree with with what you said. I mean, Ned is Ned is a, a factor in 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 what uh, you know the the committee uses to for for all of it, whether it's seating or whether it's um, you know picking the sixty eight, whatever it is, um, you know it's, it's a factor. But you know it's it's only it's only a factor, and you know the the committee will be able to look and and see you know what the South Carolina team has done. It's not just a a, a computer generated ranking, like there's going to be some teams that are seated much higher than what their net net ranking would, would dictate and, and vice versa as well. So, you know, South Carolina, you know, if, if things ended today would be one of those teams that is just seated much higher than their, their net rank. Um, I mean, it just, just is what it is. So, you know, I, I do think that, uh, there has a there's an opportunity for south carolina's net to to improve over these next seven games but you know it doesn't weigh what's most recent more heavily than what was early either so you know the the things that are dragging the net down are still going to be dragging the net down like just if south carolina goes and beats auburn on 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 wednesday on the road like it's not going to change what South Carolina's metrics are uh, dramatically, and it's not going to change what you know the the Charleston Southern win or the VMI win. Uh, it isn't going to change what those things were either. So you know it's it, we're at the point of the season where you're not going to see very many you know big big changes whether it's up or down. But you know South Carolina is going to have some opportunity to move up, and you know if they play keep playing quality basketball you're playing good enough teams to where even if you lose, you're probably not going to drop a whole lot either. So, you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, the net is, is certainly, certainly a, a tool that's going to be used. And I certainly understand all the frustration behind it. Like you saw when you saw when, when Carolina beat Tennessee uh, on the road and only moved up, what was it like five or six spots maybe, and then dropped down a, a couple of spots the next day when more games were played, like mm-hmm. that's, that's frustrating when you see something like what happened this this past Saturday when Mississippi State beats a winless Missouri team on the road and, and jumps nine spots. I mean, they jumped more than South Carolina did with their win over over Tennessee, a, a top ranked team on the road. So I, it just, those some sometimes those things are frustrating. But in the end, it's only uh, it's only a tool. It's only a piece of it, and it's it's not the not the whole thing.
5: Yeah, they, they're they 8-2 and versus uh, in quad one, quad two chances. And by the end of the year, so that's 10, by the end of the year, they're going to have had 16 quad one slash quad two opportunities. By the way, the Florida Gators are at 31 in the net. One more spot, and that qualifies as a quad one opportunity when they come to the CLA. Uh, in a, in a you know a couple of ball games, a few ball games. So th- there's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to consider or, or continue to move up in that. But at the end of the day, that that's where this doesn't matter specifically right now to South Carolina John, because they they are in the tournament. There is no talk about anything other than what seed are they in. now. They pay their way back into those conversations by not finishing you know, are finishing dismally, I would say, as in like, you know, one and six or two and five or something like that. But at this point in time, as it stands, they're absolutely 100% in. It's just going to be where they go. With all of that said, they're getting much more difficult to beat because now you've got Colin Murray Boyles as a true consistent presence down low. I mean, evaluate what this kid has done in his last three games, let alone what we saw him do Saturday against the Commodores in his last three games, how much he has grown.
7: Yeah. I mean, I heard so much about him coming into the year and and before he came down with mono um, that I I really wanted to see what it looked like and see where all this praise were coming from. And if the hype was real, because I mean, you know how it is. Freshman, Freshmen sometimes get overhyped by people like me and you <laughs> and,
5: right. you know,
7: but hearing, hearing what, uh, hearing what was coming out of, of that program internally and what they were saying, like, you know, I, there was, I, I wanted to see it with my own eyes because they were talking like SEC freshman of the year type stuff. And <laughs> He's, he's looked like the SEC freshman of the year the last few games and now he I don't think he'll end up winning that thing but he should be an all SEC c freshman player but you know the way he impacts games uh in so so many ways is just is is remarkable for for a freshman you know he does it on both ends of the court offensively and defensively he does the things that show up in the stat sheet you know whether it's going what was it was he 14 uh, fourteen of seventeen, I think it was the other night. Um, against against Vandy, like I mean, he does those things, and he grabs nine rebounds against uh, against guys who are much bigger than him. at it six seven, uh, but he also does some of the things that that don't really show up. The way he, the way he can, uh, the, the way he sees the floor offensively and can pass. Yeah, that shows up in, in assists in some moments, but not always. Uh, the way he, the way he has some feel for for help side defense. Yeah, that shows up on, on blocks from time to time, uh, like it did in, in that old Miss game on, on, uh, on, on that sharp, sharp dude, seven foot five guy, you know, sometimes they show up, sometimes it doesn't, but the, the way he impacts the game and in so many different ways, some more visible than others is, is, is crazy to me. You don't really usually see that from, from somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, in his first year of college ball, not to mention he didn't really get, very many tune-up games either missing the first uh, first month of the season or, or however long it ended up being. Um, so so yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable.
5: Yeah, his last three games combined eighty-two minutes. Of course, he played thirty-one of those Commodores on on Saturday. Sixty-three points scored in those last games will put him at twenty-one points per game. He's got uh, twenty-one rebounds combined in the last three games. Four steals and three blocks, and we all know two of those blocks have been very loud, including the one that happened against the sharp kid from Ole Miss last week. So when you pair him with what BJ Max capable, of, it was it was really nice. To see BJ Mack Saturday for John hit some three pointers, and I, I think Coach Paris and last week tried to get him to the other side of the floor to get his shot off because he's much more comfortable there. It looked like they had kind of adjusted some of it, and uh, and he was able to knock down. What does he bring? I don't know if you've talked to Paris about this or if you've heard any conversations about it and in addition to just your own evaluation, but but when B.J. Mack is able to stretch that defense and go from the inside to the outside and and knock some shots down from out there beyond the three-point line, what does that add to this team?
7: I mean, I'll I'll just tell you what, you know, a staff member told me um, a couple of games ago, just said, BJ Mack is who other teams focus their defense on there. He's the key guy for them because of what he does for, for South Carolina's offense. And sure, there are games where he doesn't shoot, shoot all that great. You know, he's, he's had, he had a, a long stretch of struggles there for a while in SEC play and, you know, even here lately, you know, he's had a game or two where he hadn't been quite as good. But, you know, defenses are, are being built around him to stop him. Now, with Colin Murray Boyles doing what he's doing and Talon Cooper showing that, that uh, you know, he can – that he's more willing to, to uh, take on a, a load offensively in terms of shooting and, and shooting threes and shooting them well. Like, that's probably evolved a little bit. But, you know, a couple of games ago – you know, talking to a member of the staff, you know, they, they, that's what they told me is that's what defenses are, are trying to do is, is, is take away BJ Mack and paying so much focus and attention to him. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how he changes a game is he brings the focus to him and, and uh you know, when he's knocking down shots, cause he still gets some open ones when he gets the open ones and is knocking them down, you know, it, it's really difficult on, on uh, another team's defense. Cause you know, it's, he he rolls to the basket well. His guards find him well. Whether he's cutting to the basket or, or popping out to uh, to to shoot, you know he, he he's he's what he's what uh, exactly what Lamont Paris wanted. That's exactly why he was late getting out to the SEC tournament last year, so he could go up and recruit him. You know that's why um, is he's he's doing exactly what they need him to do.
5: All right, John. Uh, final question here on hoops, and then we will flip a switch and get over to the diamond. But uh, Wednesday night is 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 going to be really neat for Gamecock basketball, and the fact that they get to walk into another environment. Uh, very likely, the higher ranked team than the team that's ranked on their home floor that doesn't happen much in this in this program's history, at least recent history uh but the uh the auburn tigers are going to have quite the week or hoping to at least at Neville arena because saturday night the kentucky wildcats will be in town as well it, it's going to be uh it's going to be loud and crazy over there we've all seen auburn play uh and we we've certainly seen enough of south carolina to understand that their defense travels uh hopefully it will travel this wednesday and all those type things but um when you would you com- compare and contrast the styles of both of these teams what type of game do you anticipate seeing unfold Wednesday evening
7: well having watched only a little bit of Auburn so far like they they seem like they want to play really fast they, they seem to have some undersized guys who like to get up and down the court they seem to like to um, you know have some guys camping around the, the three-point line and, and play some one-on-one ball at times and you know South Carolina but South Carolina's built defensively to stop um, to to to, to stop any kind of, of offense. I mean, I think they've done a really good job with, with whatever they have faced, whether (laughs) apart from, apart from the second half against Alabama. um, But they've, they've played fast teams that they've slowed down. They've played physical teams that they've matched up with. Um, So they, they've done a lot really well. Um, You know, one thing I think that's worthy of pointing out is, is, you know, even though that South Carolina, plays a little bit undersized uh with with uh kyle murray boils and, and bj mack being six seven you know six eight whatever you know when they go against big dudes they they've won a lot i mean they those those seven footers haven't really used their size to be able to to uh you know exploit south carolina's maybe lack of it you know josh gray is obviously in there some and has, has done a nice job but you know, I, I just I tend to think that uh, South Carolina, uh, their, their defensive principles, how they play and, and some of the things that they do there is really built to to stand up against, uh, you know, really any type of offense. And it just comes down to uh, executing and, and uh, on what you're supposed to do defensively and, you know, whether whether the other team is going to make some shots.
5: It's going to be an eight thirty tip Wednesday night. Derek and Casey will have it on the Gamecock Sports Network, eight o'clock airtime. It will also, of course, nationally televised on the SEC Network. One final note, in case nobody has done their homework yet, and that's why we're here to do it for you. This is really incredible. Auburn averages eighty two point three points per game, but what's what's (laughs) what makes that number outrageously unreal? And we've got up. We'll talk to him about this too. They have ten players. That have played in every single game this year, and on top of that, all ten of those guys average at least fourteen minutes a ball game. So Bruce, and none of them, none of them average over twenty four. So they they just cycle guys in and out. They stay fresh. They've got good legs. Uh, By the time you get to the end of the second half, you're just generally flat out worn out. But uh, South Carolina's pretty good at doing that too. Both teams have a lot of depth, so we'll see kind of what it looks like at neville arena all right john finally the first pitch will be thrown on friday four o'clock at founders park i know we'll see you on friday we'll be live at founders as part of our uh, opening day coverage between 10 a.m and 2 p.m uh, from upstairs uh, in the ballpark and uh, and can't wait for all of that you've got a great article up to a in-depth detailed look at every member of the gamecocks pitching staff uh, so what's late we did talk to matt on on friday matt williams and, and he kind of downplayed a little bit the the Roman Kimball strain he said ah, you know shoot man honestly we could probably pitch him this weekend if we were playing uh but then I guess over the weekend you reported that Matthew Becker's got a got a little bit of a hanger there too in his in his left arm so give us an update on those two guys
7: Yeah. I mean, I think Roman's got a a real shot to uh, be in the opening weekend rotation, especially with, with Matthew kind of experiencing something on, on Saturday. Um, You know, I think it's going to be, I I think it's a very safe bet to say Eli Jones on Friday and Dylan Eskew on Saturday. Uh, Roman's going to throw a bullpen today and, and, and another one on, on either Wednesday or Thursday, just to kind of see how, see how he feels and be sure all's good. But you know, the, the hope is for him to be ready to go on, on Sunday, you know, Becker, Becker, it looked a lot worse than it was. Um, you know, I was there watching and on Saturday and you know, he threw a he threw a pitch that was was uh about a 55 foot fastball and you know pulled his cap down and walked back behind the mound and and uh you know hunched over and and you know it didn't look good, but you know, it's uh not an elbow, it's it's a little lat up up in the shoulder area, kind of on the backside. Um you know, a little impingement type thing. Um, You know, he's going to be on some, he's going, he should, he should be, he should be okay. If not this weekend, uh, maybe by the middle of the week. I mean, South Carolina's got two midweek games this coming week. You know, you might, might need him to throw, throw a few innings in one of those games, but he'll certainly be uh, ready sooner rather than later.
5: As we kind of bounce around and project maybe what it'll look like on Friday, and and I'll remind people, as you do all the time, John, looks like on Friday, it's probably not what it's going to look like on Saturday, more than likely not what it's going to look like on Sunday of opening weekend, and there's a good chance not what it's going to look like when they play Clemson in a couple weeks and then play their first series in the SEC. They've got a lot of players, and they're trying to figure out what to do with all these guys, and when the lights come on, we'll see how they perform. But but if you had to if you had to take a, a good strong guesstimate on what the opening day lineup would be in the outfield, aside from Ethan Petrie and right field, what do you think left and center look like?
7: It's, it's a good question. Like Blake Jackson is going to be out there for sure. I, I mean, I think he's your. I'm 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 fairly confident he's going to be your leadoff hitter, uh, whether it's in center field or in left field. I think is still a little bit to be determined. Uh, but I think that he's going to be starting in left field and Dylan Brewer in center field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's probably the most balanced lineup you can put out there in terms of offense and defense. You know, I think Dylan can, can play uh center field at a, at a reasonably good level. I think Blake Jackson is a good corner outfielder. If you take, if you take uh, Blake Jackson and put him in center, I, I think it's, 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 pretty average. Um, if you put uh some, some of the other options in left, I, I don't think that you're, I don't think is, is, is good defensively, is if you put, uh, if you have Brewer and Jackson out there. I think that's, I think that's your most balanced lineup right there is, is doing that. And I think that's, that's what at least they'll start with. But, you know, the outfield is just really crowded. I mean, Kennedy Jones, uh, Carson Hornig, Evan Stone, Ryan Bakes. I mean, he's going to, Ryan Bakes is, is too good of a hitter to not, not play somewhere. Uh, but you know, if Tyler Causey's not playing first base, Tyler Causey's going to DH. So, you know, it's, it's it's a lot to figure out. It's a lot to figure out, and the outfield is going to be the hardest to, to to piece together. And I, I think we'll probably see a, a fair amount of evolution out, out there over the course of the season.
5: So, if I'm hearing you correctly, there's a chance that the Bakes kid could maybe play in the outfield. Because of his bat,
7: yeah, Bakes can play out in left field. Uh, I mean, he's played out there some in the past, back in in high school and travel ball. I mean, he's not that great out there, uh, but he's okay. And if he's going to hit like they think he's going to hit, then then you you put up with with uh, with some of that uh, out there. So he, he won't be perfect if he's out in left field, but he'll look he'll he'll look pretty good at the plate when he's hitting three twenty with ten home runs. So. Um, I mean, the the guy's the real deal uh, offensively, and and uh, they're going to have to figure out a place for him to play at some point in time. So you know, I, I I think you I think there's a chance you see him out there in left field occasionally, as well as as well as DH.
5: All right, and then to follow up on that one more time, is he a better left fielder than Phil Disher?
7: <laughs> um.
5: Where's Coach Tanner when we need him? I'll, I'll ask Coach on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> ask him Friday.
7: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh that. <laughs> I, Sorry, My, Phil, I feel my long feeling long. is that Bakes is going to be a little bit better, but I'm not oh, sure oh, no. if I help much because because Ryan's <laughs> Ryan's played out there some. But, no. but we'll see. We'll see.
5: Oh my yeah, God, this isn't
7: going
4: good.
5: Yeah, I've always wanted to ask Coach Tanner that publicly, Coach. <clears throat> Never second guess anything you did, but did you did, were you having some sort of you know like mental crisis or did you bump your head on something when you got the idea that maybe we should toss this or out dish out and left and see if he can just catch a fly ball?
7: Yeah, he anyway, almost gets a three pace. run home run and doesn't give up three, then you know that's <laughs> yeah. a win, right?
5: right yeah that's <laughs> there's a guarantee that he wasn't going to give up three that was the problem <laughs> well,
7: if, if you have marcus Macbeth out there in center i mean that's basically covering two positions right there so yeah I mean, but they, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember who the center fielder was at that time was that a johnny like no. or a no no Mitch no Red? no
5: no no this was long after that i right. i think um well, let's see. Shoot, I I want to say that Drew was still playing center before they moved him back to third.
7: Oh, okay, yeah that that might they might give up three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah might it give up more than
5: three. It was,
7: it was. Drew Drew was fine out there in center, but he wasn't he wasn't going to cover up your left fielder.
5: Hey, speaking of the crisps. Did you know that Adam Crisp is running for South Carolina House, of, uh, South Carolina House of Representative seat for Spartanburg County?
7: I, I did not know that. That's not my <laughs> voting district. Um, <laughs> yes. That, that might have been JC's old voting district. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. Maybe Tony Morrell. Maybe Tony Morrell. He's up there in that Spartanburg area somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> but, but right. yeah, good, good, good for all Adam.
5: Atta boy, Crispy. Uh yeah, hats off to hats off to him. All right, uh, how about um, how about down at third base? Um, what, what are you hearing on uh, on Talmadge LeCroy and his health? Is he going to be ready to go on opening day?
7: Yeah, I, I think he's going to be ready to go. I mean, he there were there was a double playground ball this past weekend where he didn't look like he was running real hard to first base, and I don't know if that was because he's still feeling it or or if hmm. he didn't. I don't I don't know what it was, uh, whether he's just protecting himself or what. Uh but he's he's gonna he's gonna start out there. He's gonna start out there and and see uh see how that thing evolves. Um he's he's really he's been incredible at the plate. I'll start off with the good. I mean, he's been incredible at the plate. I mean he's hit a home run, had a had a double, bunch of walks. I mean he's he's worked pitchers. I mean he's been really, really good uh for, for basically every scrimmage offensively. Um, he's had some real challenges defensively here these last last couple of weeks, last few weeks uh, of, of the preseason and, and the build up to this. Um, I don't know if his mental at this point, but um, you know he's he's made a half a dozen errors over there at third base and hasn't looked real clean. So you know he's going to have to step it up uh, defensively um, to and 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 continue to to play uh, well offensively. Uh but but I, I think he's gonna be healthy enough to go and you know we'll see we'll see how all of that evolves. You know, Lee Ellis is is somebody who uh you know I think could certainly some see some time over there at third base if, if need be. Uh he's really clean defensively, uber athletic over there. Uh, you know, the, the bats got a, a little bit of work to do, but you know, South Carolina's got two ground ball pitchers in Eli Jones and Dylan Eskew. And you know they're going to need they're going to need some help uh, from from their infield defense. And I, I mean that's that for me. What what South Carolina is going to be able to do defensively is almost a bigger concern for me than you know what what the pitching staff is going to look like. A lot of folks are asking questions about you know how's this team going to be from a pitching standpoint. My biggest question is 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 how is this team going to be defensively because. Um, they look Omaha caliber in, in a lot of ways, um, but they don't look Omaha caliber defensively, and I'm, I'm, uh, that's my biggest concern going into the year.
5: Yeah, that's that, yeah, going to be really, really uh, interesting to watch how Coach King um, manages that. And, and it might be one of those things, John, I think we've talked about this before, where you know he'll go ahead and make the defensive change somewhere in the middle of the game, the fifth or the sixth or something like that. Uh, to protect the lead or whatever it may be, but um, yeah, all eyes will be on that. We know Will Tippett is is primed to be the opening day shortstop. I, I think people are going to be surprised when they see what Will Tippett looks like running out of the uh, running out of the dugout. He's a different looking kid. Uh, on the on the other side, Parker Nolan, the transfer from Vanderbilt. Uh, is set to be at least the opening day second baseman, and probably will be the second baseman moving forward. There's a wild card in all of this. That's the transfer from Florida State, Jordan Carrion, um, but they, they're they're not sure if he's going to be eligible or not. Any updates there?
7: No, um, you know, I I I hadn't asked about him here in the last few days, but you know, I haven't heard from from anybody that he's, he's been cleared. So I I'm assuming that he hasn't, I'll, I'll check a little bit later and be sure that that's still the case, but you know, the NCA doesn't give you updates on when they're going to give you an update. So um, just, it, it just happens at random as we found out around here. And as we found out uh, you know, with the Tez Walker situation at UNC that everybody around here was following so closely you know, you just, don't, you just don't know when word's going to come down. But he, he can factor in at second, short, and third, carry-on can. You know, he's, he's looked good to me, uh, especially with the glove at, at all three positions. So, um, you know, Parker Nolan, I, I really like over there offensively. I'd, I'd probably bet a mortgage payment that he uh, starts the second base and hits in the two-hole on, on opening day. Uh, he's, he's been probably South Carolina's most consistent offensive player, Uh, from, from August until now. So, I I mean, I feel pretty good about him there, but you know, whatever the opposite of smooth is defensively, you know, is is probably how you would describe him at second. He makes, he makes a lot of plays, but they don't always look very, very uh, fluid and easy. Um, So Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see how that goes. He does. I I will say he does turn the double play pretty nicely over there at second base. So he he does have that, but just, some of these ground balls are are, a real, real challenge to watch. So, uh, but he's, he's going to be pretty good offensively for you too. So you're going to have to just kind of go in with the understanding that, you know, there's going to be some things that aren't perfectly defensively.
5: Who will get the start opening day at first, Casas or Causey?
7: I think it'll end up being Gavin and, you know, it probably should be with the way he's been the last, last uh, few games. And, you know, I know I've, last Monday I posted my, that, you know, with a week to go and four scrimmages to go or five scrimmages, I guess, a projected opening day lineup. And, you know, I had Causey in there at first base and Casas and not in it, but you know, Casas is a lot better defensively and that's going to help mask some of those problems on the infield. I, I feel like, and, and, and Costas, I mean, the main reason I had Casas out of there is he hadn't shown a pulse offensively and you mm-hmm. Like it was all strikeouts, most of them looking. Um, only put only had one hit, uh, only I think one or two other balls in play over the first seven scrimmages. I mean, that's not a small sample size. They weren't competitive at bats that he was having. This the last week, he hadn't always gotten on base, but his at bats have been competitive. He's fouled off a couple of two-strike pitches, he's found a couple of barrels. Um, he just he's it's, it's starting to come around for him offensively. So you add in the fact that it's starting to look a little bit better with the fact that he's better defensively. Um, you know, I, I think he gets that opening day start at first base and with the credentials that he had last year, I mean, that, that tips it in your favor, some as well. So, you know, you got to add, add a bunch of different things together. You can't just say Gavin Cassis, uh, you know, 10 days ago was going to be the opening day starter at first because he wasn't close to being, being anything like what tyler causey was but you know now is getting a little bit closer and and now you lean you you bring the experience factor into it and and things are a little bit different but Causey's going to be in their opening day in some capacity whether it's at first base or whether it's dh so i think you're going to see causey at dh and 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 casas at first
5: and then you'll probably see that switch on saturday or sunday Uh, very
7: well could very well could but you got to get ryan bakes in there somewhere at some point too uh you probably got to get carson horning in there somewhere at some time too uh he can go out there to a corner outfield spot or dh um i mean there there are several different guys that that you got to get get some reps out there and you know hopefully games uh get a little bit lopsided you know early on so you can you can make some changes and make some substitutions and see what guys look like that's how south carolina found ethan Petrie last year they didn't bring him bring him in in a tight rbi situation and he produced they brought him in in a you know an eight run game or or whatever it was and and we were able to 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 see what he can do and that's you know that's that's hopefully what it'll look like this year
5: i know one thing yeah, competitive at bats if Monty Lee's your hitting coach, you better have competitive at bats, so or you'll competitively sit on the bench. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that all comes along. But got a lot of dudes, and we're fired up to see them play. They're ranked in every poll in college baseball, and uh, they'll look to prove it beginning this Friday. John, we look forward to seeing you when we get to the ballpark Friday morning as well as part of our coverage um, for Opening Day. Thanks for all that you do. There's some great stuff up on the pitching staff right now at thebigspur.com. If you haven't read it. Uh, Make sure you go check all of that out and uh, get
7: this rain out of
5: here. John, play ball.
7: I'll do my best. It's pouring right now, but I'll do my best to get it out by Friday. I appreciate you guys having me.
5: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, John. John Whittle, bigspur.com, powered by electric bikes of Charleston. The weather, once this junk gets out of here, will start to warm up a little bit and it'll cool down and warm up again. And you're going to see everybody out on their bikes, and you're going to go, and I need one. And you're going to need to go to Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. Maybe you've got some income cash coming back. Good way to spend it. And they even have bikes that fold up. Electricbikescharleston.com. You do not have to be in the low country, I promise you. Call Michelle, she'll find it. All right, we'll find Mike Morgan right here when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com a tradition unlike the others.
0: South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
5: Nana's Porch. Nana's Porch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style, and seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. NanasPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Three three six two five nine seven five five zero. 259 7550 Billy G's Carolina Barbecue at Founders Park starting not this weekend but the following week. They are already committed to some things in other places, but just a few days ago they signed the contract to be the barbecue provider for Gamecock Baseball here in 2024. If you are watching, you can read that menu. If you are listening, I'm not going to read it to you, but I will tell you that the big text and the big porker look just unbelievable and the barbecue box will probably uh yeah that's that's probably what i'll be getting every ball game this year the barbecue box w- what do
6: you think phil
4: pork uh, yeah, or brisket.
6: The, i you know I, I typically go with pork more so than beef brisket however the barbecue box has both plus the sides that you're looking for so i'm with you that's uh mm-hmm. probably going to be
5: my go-to yeah or the mac attack Smoked mac and cheese topped with brisket or pork and the sweet heat sauce. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it'll just be a game time decision. You know, like it, you just you just walk up and you just whatever comes out it comes out is what you, what your order. I don't know. I have to think <laughs> about it. But Billy G's Carolina barbecue cannot wait. There's the uh, GameCop baseball menu. You can order their sauce and their secret spice rub. Carolina barbecue to have it delivered to your doorstep. We have delivered Mike Morgan right into your airwaves or your television screen, or however you're getting us here on a rainy Monday across the state of South Carolina. And hopefully if you're outside of the Palmetto state, it's not rainy. Uh, Mike uh, was calling the game Saturday night between the hogs and the dogs in Fayetteville. And he's got a lot to get to today as sec basketball has turned the corner and they're into the stretch run where the Gamecocks and the Alabama Crimson Tide are atop the SEC standings. I'll repeat: the Gamecocks and the Alabama Crimson Tide are atop the SEC standings uh, with only a couple of weeks left in the basketball season. I, it's just nuts, Mike. Glad to have you. How are your uh, How are your travels? Are you finally back home? Where Where the hell are you? Oh, oh, he's muted. Hold on. I
6: he might be. He's gonna have to unmute himself. I can't take care of that for you today, Mike.
5: That's okay, Mike. There we you good? Go.
6: We good? Oh, yeah.
5: there's Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: All right. Uh no, we're good. Um I, I have been, I won't say literally living out of a suitcase. That would imply I could fit into a suitcase. You know, it's not like I'm Gary Coleman from different strokes, but uh <laughs> but I, I've been living with a suitcase now for the last week and a half going from uh, Nashville to Starkville to Fayetteville uh, and without a break in between uh, and so sometimes it's just best to combine those trips if, if for those if you've ever been to Atlanta airport um, or if you live in Atlanta and I know we have a lot of Gamecock fans that do reside in the ATL the the drive. And the parking, or even if you Uber, which an Atlanta Uber is, it's kind of like opening up a, a, a bathroom stall at the airport. You're not sure what you're going to find, but it's probably repugnant. Um, very often when you take an Uber here, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not great. So, um, and, and you're in a good day, you'll get there in 40 minutes, but if there's an accident or something, 40 minutes could turn into two hours. Um, I've had to sweat out a lot of flights. So if I can avoid doing that, I'll just combine trips. So that's what I did. Um, and glad to be back home and sleep in my own bed and enjoy the Super Bowl yesterday. So yes, doing great. It's great to be with you guys. Great to be with, uh, my ITG family. Hello to everybody in chat row, including you John, thank you. Uh and um yeah, we're we're ready to go, man. Lots to talk about in another uh, big yeah. week of stuff.
5: Yeah, even uh, we'll, we a little bit later on we'll get into the breaking news from UCLA that they've added Deshawn added not added. They've hired Deshawn uh, Foster Watson, whatever. Deshawn Foster, Foster as our
2: Next head coach, former running back. If they hired Deshaun Watson, then we got a bigger story to talk about.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they were. I, I, Deshaun Watson, and I think from what I understand, they're having a bunch of mas- different massage parlors installed in the uh, new know. complex out there in um, in Westwood. But that's for another day. Uh, so yeah, we we we've barely gotten much into the Super Bowl uh, since uh, the program began. We had Whittle come on at eleven twenty, and and had to make sure we your final Gamecock baseball previewing with him. And we will get to some college baseball with you today, um, as uh, they're all set to go. The D1 guys are on on Friday. But with that said, the Niners uh, losing the in in the overtime last night, and so now you've got you know you know you, the national stuff starting. Mike, you know, okay, Pat Mahomes, where does he go down in history? And blah, blah, blah you know, and then this will all fade out, and everybody remember these only twenty eight and he to win three more to get to Brady. There are some guys who've won four. People forget about that. And yada, yada, yada. Um, but we'll start more on the fun side. You got to rank the game versus the commercials versus the anthem versus the halftime show. One through four. Most impressive, least impressive.
2: Well, I, I'm not a guy that lives to critique and evaluate the commercials or the halftime show. So for me, it's all about the game. I am seriously, I am not the guy at the Super Bowl party, which is why I don't go to Super Bowl parties where the, the room goes shh, shh shh shh. There's there's Beyonce in a in a Sprite commercial. Like I don't care. Um, the, the the commercials. So that's for it. Yeah, that's that's for. <laughs> <laughs> halftime, um, you
5: know. I like the halftime show, by the way. Yeah,
2: well, well, so like, i may, you know, our music tastes probably vary a little bit. JB, um, I, I like. I grew up on rap and hip hop, and mm-hmm. and so that's that's a big genre for me. Usher lives in Atlanta, and you know that that was that whole thing was like an Atlanta uh, deal. Yeah, ludicrous. ludicrous. I mean, I've seen ludicrous uh a number of times in Atlanta. He's everywhere. You don't see Usher much. Um but uh so it's always cool to have all those guys together. Did I think it was a great show? Eh, you know. It's fine. It's fine. Um but for me the 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 game I just enjoyed every aspect of the game. Um and Why? you like Well the- Well, let's go back to the you know when we did our picks for Fab Five, or when we just talked about the game leading up. I had the sometimes I I I talk about lazy analysis, and it drives me batty when I see lazy analysis. But I offered up some lazy analysis on this game because nobody cares about our opinions on you know a deep dive into how San Francisco's run game matches up with. The defensive front are you know, they going to go up against a heavy box? Uh, what's the is the blitz blitz percentage going to be fifty five percent, which is what it was on Brock Purdy and company on passing downs? Um, but so my
6: that does his homework.
2: Man. Well, I but I'm into that <laughs> stuff. But I also know people don't want to hear me talk about that stuff about a game. You know, this is a Gamecock show, and everybody watches a Super Bowl. But you don't. I'm probably like most people. I didn't have a rooting interest. But when people ask who do you like. My lazy analysis was, and I've had both those teams, the 49ers and the Chiefs, this season on national radio. I've seen seen both these teams close up. I've talked to coaches. I, I feel like I actually know a little bit more what I'm talking about than some other NFL matchups, perhaps. But my lazy analysis was I think they're both pretty evenly matched. It's going to be a very close game, but how in the hell do you bet against Pat Mahomes in a close game? That was my lazy analysis, and that's exactly what happened uh, yesterday. Just like you you knew if it was going to come down, just like you knew with Brady and you knew with Montana, if it was going to come down to that, that they were not going to let you down, and that was simply the case. Now, you can second-guess a number of things – And poor Shanahan, I mean, he's lived a life full of success and also being second-guessed about calls and things he's done in the biggest moments in Super Bowls and big playoff games. But I think it's more about Kansas City just being better. And I've said this before, Andy Reid has got to be one of the most brilliant offensive minds or offensive coaches in any sport that we just take for granted. But when he is gone... I promise you, you'll see a difference. It wasn't all Mahomes just making tremendous athletic plays. Look at how open receivers are half the time. People always ask, well, how does Kelsey get so wide open if people know that he's the key guy? Well, part of it's the play. Watch the route tree. Like, I played receiver in high school, and we ran generic friggin' routes. And I tried to tell my coach, like, I'd, I'd really like to do... Yeah, Mike, can, can we block for 10 seconds for you to do a triple move? Not happening. But when you when you watch uh, Kelsey doesn't run normal, just tight end routes. Watch that touchdown play, the final touchdown to Hardman. He's not running a a, a traditional route that that play, which they called Corndog or Tom and Jerry, you know, he against a zone runs all the way to the left into into where he gets lost in the secondary because they're all keying on Kelsey, and then he makes a sharp cut to the right, and there's no one within 10 yards. So the three of us could make that throw. That's not the... The magic of Pat Mahomes is real, but that's not the magic of Pat Mahomes. That play is the magic of Andy Reid. And the the laughable, you know, uh, narrative was well, they lose Eric the Eric Bianami was not the the brilliance behind that offense for all these years. I'm sorry. I get it. You want him to be a head coach? I, I wish him well. But it's Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the few play callers in professional football that is truly heads and shoulders above the rest. You know they're they're all brilliant people in their own way, but he is just an absolute difference maker. I watched him when I was in Columbia. I had an Eagles fan that would call me every week and would rip Andy Reid. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if you like, you might be sorry if you lose that guy. He's pretty good from where I stand. Donovan McNabb was fine, but when when Andy Reid was gone, Donovan McNabb was woefully average. Uh right. Mahomes will be great no matter who's the coordinator but I'm telling you that combination of Mahomes and Andy Reid you lose the cheetah it hurts but you still got the best play car and the best quarterback in the game you lose this weapon that weapon this you still got Reid Mahomes and I would throw Kelsey in there as well uh I just am amazed that he is playing chess when so many other guys are playing checkers so that's my lazy analysis on the game itself yeah.
5: and all that said had they not had an extra point blocked, San Francisco could wake up today. Sure. Champions.
2: It's sure. the third look, they've won Kansas City's won three titles. They trailed by ten points or more in all three Super Bowls. Right. Think about that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they could easily be 0-4. They're one and three. The one mm-hmm. loss, of course, to Brady. Um, but yeah. Not, but but they, they never panic. They never friggin' panic. And that's another thing about Mahomes, man. I mean, he is just so Cool and calm under pressure, and so is Andy Reed. And nobody may I've mentioned this before, I can't remember if it was on this show or not. Like there are coordinators right now that can steal the barbecue recipe from like you could you could work under Andy Reed and steal some of his playbook, but what you can't do, and the brilliance of Andy Reed is when he goes into that locker room at halftime, he's gonna make adjustments. He's gonna see things that you can't just open up a book and regurgitate. You have to think the game on the fly, see what's going on and then make the proper adjustments. And that's why they always are a threat to come back, because what they do in the second half is seldom what they do in the first. And if you're a defensive coordinator and you had success in the first half against him, that doesn't mean you're going to have success in the second because he's got things up his sleeve you have no idea. And that's what he always seems to do, and you combine that with the best quarterback in the sport in Mahomes and the best tight end in the sport in Kelsey, and all the other guys are just moving parts. I mean, Coleman was, was off the scrap heap. Nobody wanted him. He catches a a huge deep ball in that game and the winning touchdown pass. Uh, Some of these other receivers, I mean, one's a rookie that just got drafted. The running backs, they're interchangeable. Uh, As long as you can block well, and they usually do, and leave it up to that triumvirate. Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, good night. I
5: mean, they they are awfully, awfully good. Yeah, I I felt like, too – you know i don't know about midway through the third quarter i was like i did not see a lot of what i have seen coming the mistakes the fumbles like there was just goofy stuff that both of these both yeah. both organizations were doing that were very uncharacteristic of both now i will say early in the in the third not that this is an excuse for either the chiefs or the or the niners but You know, these 30-minute halftime shows, man, you know, these guys just want to go play ball, you know, get back on the field. And and so you don't know mentally and and physically where they are the first few minutes. I I would imagine that's a little bit difficult to go from being heated up for 30 minutes, Mike, and then you go into the the locker room and generally after 10 minutes – by the time you get – it, a lot of people don't realize this – by the time that these guys get into the locker room and take a leak and – and you know get situated they have like four minutes to talk and then they come back out onto the field it's really it's not like they just go in there and sit around for 20 minutes and have team meetings and rah-rah chats like that's not the way that it works but it is in the super bowl because you have you, you do have like 20 minutes when you get in there before you can even get back onto the field and i always feel like that kind of affects guys initially and whoever kind of settles in earliest is able to to take advantage so but there was a lot of weird mistakes going on and and you kind of felt like, man, this sucker's gonna end on something just wacky. And it did, but but not a not a mistake. They they came back and took it from him in OT. But it was a great look, Super Bowl overtime, 120 something million people. I mean, the NFL can't be happier today.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can't Taylor do anything wrong. Usher. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, win, win, win across the board. I, I get I'm, it. I'm tired first- of
5: people putting cameras on Taylor. Yeah. Because I, I feel bad for her, honestly. Like she can't even kiss her boyfriend without people taking photos and putting them all over the internet. I mean, it's kind yeah. of gross.
2: Well, I mean, she's she's not afraid to ham it up in there too now. She she knows where the camera is. Slip like, a little yeah. tongue
5: in there. Yeah.
2: Kids. Like she <laughs> the, <laughs> she she's not exactly um one entertain. that wants to live out of the spotlight. Uh she she's okay with it. But yeah, I mean, and that's like like I'm in those production meetings. I know there's discussions. And first off, the announcers, of course, have no say in every now and then in oh. talkback. I'll let them know, hey, could you hit up? I want to talk about that assistant coach. He's over there on the bench to the left of so and so. But you're not sitting there going, give me another shot. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going, another shot of Taylor Swift, please, so we can have another
5: awkward uh, um, moment. Can I, can I, minute, I'm going to, I want to butt in on something real quick here. You can, you can take this however you want to take it, wherever you want to take it. You're your pro, and so I know that you'll probably be a pro about it. Your assessment of Tony Romo as a color guy in this game. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, when Tony... So, let me tell you the secret behind the Tony Romo phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tony got that job, first off, and... and And I I know Jim Nance only because I met him at Salisbury at awards banquets and I've kept in touch with him. And he is the he's the classiest human being um, you'll ever come across, in addition to be very good at what he does. But some people I'm sure at CBS, I'm just guessing on this, said, well, you know what? Jim's a little he might be a little dry. Um, You know, he's a golf guy. Maybe we need somebody who's just going to, like, provide a spark in the booth. Well, there's Tony Romo. Tony Romo bursts onto the scene, and he's got this knack of calling plays before they happen. Remember that the first couple years? like That was like, holy crap, we've never seen an analyst know what the play is going to be before the play. You want to know the secret to that? And you want to know why you don't see it as much anymore? So in the booth, let me let you inside the booth for a second. If we were to take a picture uh, you've got the play-by-play guy, and then, like, for example, to my right would be the analyst. Uh, in the slot, as I call it, between us is my spotter, who's pointing out, you know, who made the tackle, who, who recovered the fumble, which offensive lineman jumped early. Uh, and to my left is my what we call talent stats guy. So that's the, that's the fab four. That's almost an, any football game that I've ever done, that's what we have. Tony, and there's a few guys like this now, had an extra guy in the booth who's a former Ivy League quarterback, and his whole thing, his whole job, was to spot things when they happened. And before Tony would talk about the play that just happened and going to replay, he would say something in Tony's ear. Hey, take a look at what happened to the outside linebacker. He slipped and fell on that play, and that's that's how the tight end got got open. You might might want to mention that. And Tony would do that. Or pre-snap. Hey, I did the analytics on this, Tony. Uh, whenever they go trips to the far side, that means they're going to the tight end on the weak side. I, I tell you what, Jim, this might be where they, they, they hit Kelsey in the, in the flat on the weak side. They got a diamond format. They got trips on the left side. I'm not saying Tony doesn't know football. I'm just telling you it was smart on his part to bring a guy to help forecast. That's all this guy's job was, and he was brilliant at it. Well, Tony lost that guy a few years ago, as I understand it. So, Tony is still smart, and Tony is still... No, I'm not saying he's a fraud at all. I'm saying uh, the best analysts out there have help. The best analysts out there, they see replays in their little monitor before you see the replay on the screen. I mean, Kirk Herbst, all the great ones, they get access to the replay before you see it on the screen, so you're wondering, like, how is he so quick and sharp on that? That's that's the magic of that. So, anyway, Tony... Uh, that's how he burst onto the scene, a, a, a ball full of energy, uh, you know, in contrast to Jim was more laid back and smooth. And then a guy that was like predicting plays before they happened. Well, he doesn't do that much anymore, but right. uh, he still is full of a ball of energy. I enjoy him. He's not my number one guy. I know he drives a lot of people batty because he talks a lot and he just, he's very undisciplined at times. And I think that Jim is such a pro that he said, "You know what? <laughs> I'm at a stage in my career. People love this guy. I'm going to let him be on discipline and not do the job the way traditionally it's supposed to be done."
5: Yeah, I, I, that's a that's fascinating to to hear all that. And I I think I don't I don't have a problem with Tony Romo. I I, I enjoy Tony Romo. The only time I ever I'm not really hard on a lot of these guys. I don't. They they're they're really they're all good. Every you don't get that. As you said a thousand times, Mike, you don't get those gigs if you're not any good. Like you gotta be good. But where I have an issue, I had it at the end of the game. You know, that's 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 Nance's moment to call it, and it's the Chiefs moment. It's because they created it. They're fans, they're you know, nine yards. And and I was like, man, lay
2: out. Lay out. I mean, that is where and I've had to do this a few yeah. times, and the analysts thank me for it. They're not mad at me. When you have a huge moment like that, you don't, as an analyst, just step on it like two right. seconds after you call it. I would, ge- I would take my hand out, which basically means for the time being, hush. Yeah. Let the crowd, let the reaction, and that's what Jim would have done. But Tony's just right.
3: Oh man, what a play! Touchdown. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's it
5: see <laughs> that's yeah. something again I mean, it, how frustrating is that for a broadcaster when you because i don't. i know you don't prepare like you don't prepare like okay, right. this is going to be my line but right. like it, you know when it it comes out and you're ready to give them their moment and then step back and allow them to enjoy it yeah and you've got it hadn't probably happened to you in a while but you got somebody next to you who's just going on and on i, I can only imagine you're probably in your head going shut the yeah,
2: door. well, it's yeah. just uh, again. I I think the guy who really impressed me in this postseason, and it's going to be weird because he's about to get demoted through no fault of his own, is Greg Olson. Absolutely, yeah, Greg so, Olson. Yeah, yeah, you but, you want to talk about knowledge and uh, like? There's very few guys right where I watch a broadcast. And I feel like, wow, I actually learned something there. I mean, that was yeah. the beauty of John Madden, uh, that and his personality. But there's very few guys today. A lot of it is just generic. Greg Olson, in like two years became elite. Yeah. And now he's gonna have to give way to Tom Brady
5: in the in the analyst chair who's never done a game in his life. Yeah. Um we'll see how that works out, but I think Greg is terrific. I, I thousand percent agree with that. I, I, I love listening to him up there. I'm with you. I always learn something and uh um, always. Always, I mean, we mentioned that to Pat when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Pat Bradley, I said the same thing to him. When I listen to you call games on the SEC network or ESPN, yeah. I learned something. And yeah. and I've always I've always appreciated that.
2: And I think Todd Blackledge, by the way, for my money on the college side is as good as it gets. And I realize <laughs> he's with a different network now. But when you had McDonough and Blackledge for my that was as good as it that's a that's an A team. That is an A team. Um, just man, one name. man's opinion, like somebody was asking, um, uh, Bill, let me scroll down here. Uh, I don't get the announcer hate so many do Mike. Do you get hate? Man? Honestly, I don't get a whole lot. I, 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 when, when you're doing games nationally, um, people are much more obsessed with the analysts. So I'll have analysts that take a lot of bows and arrows because of something they said, the play by play guy it it's almost it's almost like a great referee it's best if you if, if nobody even notices you like you call a good game you document it you get into some stories you have a nice hopefully voice that people it's it's easy to listen to um, but for the most part you're helping facilitate the analyst and, and do all that uh uh good stuff uh, but a lot of analysts do get that that first off look let's be honest for a lot of people, you grade you grade announcers based on how many good things they say about your team. I, I see this all the time. Oh, he's that's my favorite announcer because he said something positive. That doesn't make him a good announcer. It just means he said something good about your team. It's like it's that's like great it, it's so true. It is so like most of the people. Look, I mean, you know, these your average person is not is not a professional uh, broadcasting. A critiquer right like you're just you're in it for this guy likes my team this guy hates my team this guy was pulling for us this guy wasn't pulling for us
5: <laughs> none of them were pulling for you and, like, and,
2: and and yeah i couldn't i couldn't say this more often like the, the most of these guys could care less who wins. uh they could absolutely care and then the radio guys <laughs> after a win like people will go up that didn't even listen to brock hey good job man good job um, and then after a loss, you know, you don't hear that as much, but for, for a lot of people, when they're grading their hometown radio announcer, it's just, well, did he complain about the officials or every call went against us? And did he yell and scream, um, and come up with disingenuous catchphrases that they wrote on the hotel napkin the night before? Then that's my guy. Um, <laughs> as opposed to analyzing true talent. And I, I look at it like who, and I know who they are. I, the rate the SEC guys, like I know, who the best guys are in terms of just true pros. And that's what every school should have, a true pro. Um, and you still know, like like people would always tell me, in the first five seconds listening, Mike, I didn't even know the score, and I knew whether we were winning or losing. I could tell by the tone in your voice. Because, yeah, I'll be honest with you, when you're calling it for a, a team or a school, you feel the pain of those losses, you feel the joy of the wins. You really do. I was, ki- I was joking around with uh, the Georgia broadcasting team and they just lost another one uh, that's five in a row now. And that's a pretty yeah. good team to lose five in a row, but the SEC is stacked, and we'll talk more about that later. And Chuck Dowdle, the analyst who I used to work with on the Braves uh, pre- and post-game shows, came up to me, and he's like, Mike, I hate effing basketball right now. I really, really hate it. And he And Chuck is one of the nicest human beings you'll ever come across, but you feel the pain. And, and I said, yeah, I said, I know what you're feeling because now you lose five in a row. You get on that bus. Nobody, everybody's afraid to talk because everybody's pissed off. So the coaches are in the front, the players are there and you're somewhere there and you're just like the radio crew. It's like, you don't really fit. You didn't win the game, lose the game. You didn't do anything to help. You just went there and did a a job that has nothing to do with the, the athletes. And, and then you get on the plane and like again, everybody's you know morose, and they don't want to look at you or see you. And you're like, "Am I allowed to talk?" It's just when well, now I get done with a game for TV, and I don't care who won Arkansas Georgia. I just get on my own plane by myself, and you know <laughs> it's just a different deal. It's, it's just an absolute
5: different deal uh, altogether. So, yeah, I, I saw I saw, and I we got to get a break here, but I saw a post yesterday, Mike. Uh, I have no idea who the guy was or anything like that, but it was it was like retweeted or something, and and it, somebody complaining about Rebecca Lo, Rebecca Lobo calling the South Carolina game on the, the women's game on uh, ESPN, and, and he and the person tweeted I can't remember if it was a guy or a girl said you know I just don't understand why why does why does ESPN make sure that Roy Philpott who hates Carolina is calling the games, and then Lobo hates Carolina like they just they just hate Carolina. I'm like, oh, you're right. You know what? That's exactly what they did last week in Bristol, or a couple of months ago. They looked at the schedule and said, "Who can we find that hates South Carolina? Let's make sure we put them on their game." That was that was right <laughs> at the top of the list. I promise you, that's yeah. what it was. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Well, I mean, yeah, I
2: mean, mo- most announcers haven't like done a, a fan website. That's a that's a unique combination. But uh, in the case of like having Rebecca Lobo. I mean, she's only one of the most decorated, recognizable analysts of all time. So, you it's know, so like, uh, and someday I, I promise you, there will be a former Gamecock from Don Staley's team uh, who will have a job in television. I guarantee you, there will, the, the door will be open for a well-spoken, f- accomplished athlete that went to several Final Fours and won national championships for Don. That's going to the, the the door is going to be open for that person to get TV gigs. I, I promise you that. And somebody from UConn will be like,
3: she hates us. That's what She's a like, game cock.
6: We'll relish the fact that all those UConn fans will hate that person. <laughs>
4: that's right. That's, a, yeah, that's
5: right. Yeah. ESPN, they put a game cock on, can say, hey, that's the way that it works. Yeah. And
2: it's a no win for people. Like when Curb Street does an Ohio State game or a Michigan game, that doesn't happen much anymore unless it's the playoff. It's a no win. Mm-hmm. And remember, Kirk Herbstreet, who was in the news lately for the whole Riola thing, uh, that's a bizarre story, Kirk left Columbus, Ohio, to move to Nashville. You want to know why he did that? It wasn't because his love for Music City uh, and, and going to, you know, down Broadway. It was because during the time of Jim Tressel and the probation era, remember that, Tattoo yep. Gate? Herbstreet was actually objective about the whole thing. And Ohio State fans hated him for it and basically were, were giving him and his family a bunch of crap. And he said, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I'm gone. And the reason I know that more than anything is because my former producer, Keith Allen, who's now with CNN, but produced my show and for a time in Columbia before Haney, he was producing. He left me to join Kirk Herbstreet's show in Columbus, which I said, take it. Um and, and so he was in the middle of all that, and he said, "Mike, you won't believe how relentless these fans are against one of their own. Like it, it's it's making Kirk miserable." So Kirk took his family and said, "The hell with it, I'm out," and moved to Nashville.
5: Good for him. It's sad. I mean, that's and yes, I would rather
2: live thing. in Nashville than Columbus too. But but for Kirk, you know, some of these legends. They want to stay where people still pat them on the back. I remember that time you di-. they don't want to leave where the where the getting is good. They don't pay for a meal. They, you know, so it doesn't matter what the city is. They don't want to leave it if that's where they made their name as an athlete. Yeah. Man, we are all we'll over the be- map today. What a what a what a powerful well- in the I first 38 minutes of the Power Hour, now we were late because of the anthem and the commercials and everything else. But for the 30 minutes that we started off this Power Hour, presented by Ryan Brewer and Gary Patterson, we're coming in hot.
5: Yeah, you know, scorching. Well, I but <laughs> pe- pe- people do like this is something people enjoy. They 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 don't you know they you don't get to hear this often. You know, people like you who are actually in it. Everybody's got an opinion because. They have an opinion, but nobody has facts generally to go with the opinion. And it's right. need to, to be able to actually get, you know, real information to 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 help formulate that a little bit more. But I do we, we do have to hit a timeout uh, when we return. We'll take a drive around the SEC and we've got plenty of Gamecock basketball and Gamecock baseball uh, with Mike Morgan today, because first pitch right around the corner coming up on Friday. So uh we'll start to dip our toes heavily into that with Mike who of course uh, is 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 very 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 involved in SEC baseball and we'll we'll dabble in a lot of that too. Don't go anywhere Danny. We know you're not. Hang with us until 2 here on Inside the Gamecocks the show.
2: Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's Wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia, yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at D's, you've got 75-cent wings from 4 until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for $29. bucks. you have also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time, and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out D's. 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia.
5: Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Dough Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit TheBarnDominiumCo.com. That's Barndominiumco.com. The Barn Dough Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Down here in the South,
1: we don't always see eye to eye. While well, our taste in college football teams, or what sauce if any goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South.
5: Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored, and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soups Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soups Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soups Swing Shop. Play ball.
4: And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, in, in, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sierra Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane
7: is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan, And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane, in the upstate for your real estate needs.
5: Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare. columbia and go game cars.
7: it's now time to take a drive around the sec
3: sponsored by love chevrolet no hassles no all-day runarounds no ridiculous add-on stickers at love chevy buying a car is fun south carolina's number one volume chevy dealer i-26 at harbison and at lovechevy.com find new roads Brought to you by Love Chevy, the best selection of new Chevys. Right now, no hassle, no ridiculous add-on stickers. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Together, let's drive. Let's do that. Let's
2: drive around the SEC, as it were. Maestro, the Mad Dog, Phil Molinax working the ones and twos, was responsible for the crisp audio during the halftime show last night. We subbed him out. I think everybody was happy with his performance, and I know he'll be on par here. With the Love Chevy drive around the SEC. Let's start with some basketball, shall we? As you mentioned, Jamie, and I'm sure was talked about some in the first hour of this program, here we are, 11 games in, and Carolina is tied for first in what many would consider is the best basketball league in the country. It's either this or the Big 12. Take your pick. Uh, That's not just like a homer opinion, and that's what the metrics will tell you. And here, here Carolina is at 9-2, and two, tied with Alabama at the top. Uh, look, Vanderbilt, I, we talked about this, right? This is not a year where like the bottom teams just quit and lay down and have like a, a lame duck coach and they just don't care. I saw that with Johnny Jones of LSU. I've seen it with other teams in the past. That's not the case with Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt. So when they jump out to a four-point halftime lead... That was more validation, like they're they're in it to win it, folks. <laughs> but then uh, Colin Murray Boyle's young man who was not offered a scholarship uh, by the South Carolina schools out of high school just went beast mode. You know, we did a thing um, on Saturday. Whenever I work with Joe Klein, I said you got to do the Klein Time segment. Talk about the top bigs in the league. I mean, he was only like an All American at a center in the NBA for 15 years. And he had his five, and I said, "I'm I'm going to add one here, Joe." And I know he's not your typical big, but uh, Colin Murray Boyles is right now playing a lot of four, and so I would add him to the list because he is just going beast mode. He said, "Yeah, Mike, I <laughs> that was my late add-on." So we we gave uh, CMB some extra love. He was phenomenal once again, kind of running out of superlatives. But you see, he hasn't even, I mean, he hasn't even scratched the surface yet. No. Like he is, if you see in the picture next uh, behind me, that's Ronaldo Bachman, the plastic man uh, over my left shoulder. He has like some Ronaldo Bachman athleticism, but already as a 19-year-old freshman, more polished to his game than Ronaldo ever had in three years. And Ronaldo, of course, became a first-round draft pick. Um, anyway, Alabama... Tied with Carolina, maestro. do we lose the music? Did we? Do we have to pay more royalty fees to
6: our folks over there? You know, out, they ran out and had a square right quick. But oh no. there well, well, back there they are.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you don't. T- you don't get to take a break during the Love Chevy drive around the SCC. Tell the band to strike it up, will you? All right, nine and two, nine and two. Uh, Auburn after a loss at Florida, a blowout loss, by the way. Uh, Auburn's going to be full of piss and vinegar on Wednesday night against Carolina. They're eight and three. Tennessee is seven and three. After going A and M is just like this. You ever watch those like nature shows and you see like this big animal or insect, you know, creeping up on a much smaller and almost looking defense defenseless type insect or animal, and you just assume that the bigger one is going to devour them and eat them for dinner and then the smaller one has like this special stinger or poison or something and they wind up winning the that's A&M particularly when you play them in College Station. Like Tennessee's a more talented team. Tennessee's a more consistent team. Well, they went in there and got humbled a bit against the Aggies. So there the Aggies are at 6 and 4, Florida is 6 and 4, Kentucky is 6 and 4 and lost the third straight home game at Rupp. That is the first time that has happened in the history of that building. And I can tell you, uh, there is there is a lot of uh, dissension in the air surrounding Coach Cal. Um, I, I've never seen it quite like this. It's, it's just different. That's all I'm saying. Because that is a good Kentucky team. That's a great roster. I'm sorry, it just is. Uh, but they don't play any defense. They don't play any defense, and they continually lose close games. Uh, so that'll be something to keep an eye out for. Ole Miss five and five, Mississippi State five and five. They pick up a win at Mizzou. So LSU's four and six, Georgia four and seven, Arkansas three and seven, Vandy one and nine, Mizzou zero and eleven. I didn't see the Lenardi come out today, Jamie. Maybe you did. Um, usually it's a little bit later.
5: Yeah, but. I haven't got it yet. Yesterday he, he had moved them up spots to what would equate to number eighteen, but still a five seed.
2: Yeah, and that's that that
5: yeah. that does that's about right.
2: I think. Um, now, again, a lot of things are going to be determined here in the next couple weeks. But for now, I could see that the SEC is still holding strong at nine uh, teams and. It, like, I've got Florida, Georgia on Saturday. Georgia was on that being considered list. They they now, we're at the point now where if you're Georgia, Arkansas, Vandy, Missouri, you have to go the 2000 Arkansas route. Anybody remember that route for Nolan? They finished fourth in the West from what people told me around the Arkansas. He was as good as fired. And then all of a sudden, he took that team and they played four games in four days and won the SEC tournament. And that's how they got into the big dance. That's what's going to take for those bottom four teams. Um, and the other 10, or maybe 9, are in great shape to make the field, and that, of course, would be a new SEC record. By the way, just on Alabama, was a fascinating case study. Uh, I was asked about them on um, uh, New Heisel and Childers the other day, and, you know, inevitably this comes up. Do they play a good enough defense, or, or will they hit enough threes where they can make, like, a final four run? Right now, Bama is, tw- they're shooting 25 threes a game. They're making <clears> 11.6 <throat> per game. And they can just destroy people when they're hitting the three. I, but but they do hit a lot of easy layups as well. Like, I, I still think Alabama's going to be very dangerous in March. They're not just about threes. But man, when they're hitting them, they are scary, scary good. The Gamecocks, by the way, are fourth in the league, 8.6 threes a game. They're they're third in attempts with 25, and that is synonymous with what Lamont Paris wants to do. He wants to take a lot of threes, but good threes, not just hoisting up one-on-one type threes. You get them in the flow of the offense. It's rare when you're watching South Carolina where you go, man, that was a bad shot. That was a force. They just don't do that. Um, I did find it interesting, the top four teams in three-point attempts, Bama, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Carolina. Georgia's fifth. They're kind of the anomaly. Um, And then at the bottom, Arkansas is 13th. Mississippi State is 11th. So they're a a tournament-looking team, despite the fact they don't take or hit a lot of three-point shots. Uh, Of course, coming up this week, the game that uh, everybody listening will be particularly keen on, South Carolina going to Auburn, Neville Arena, a brutal place to play. They're just a different team there. Uh, we'll talk more about that game. Tennessee at Arkansas on Wednesday. On Tuesday, Ole Miss at Kentucky. Kentucky be well served to win that game at home uh, to just stop the bleeding right now. Uh, on the football side, okay, never a dull moment. So, you follow this Ryan Grubb story? Not really, but okay. Yeah. Well, so yeah. DeBoer hires him to be the O line coach, like that. Excuse me, the offensive coordinator. That was like a big. Part of the process, you don't just get DeBoer, but you get one of the best offensive coordinators in football. Grub waits. He wanted to wait till after the the, the transfer window is open, uh, closed, which it'll be back open April the sixteenth or the thirtieth, and he wanted to wait till after signing day. And once that happened, he says, "See ya." I'm off to Seattle for the Seahawks job. So now DeBoer, after, after Alabama's lost all these players in the portal. Now they just lost another offensive coordinator, and there's discussion that he might take the Bama offensive line coach, Scott Huff, with him. Things are just going to be a little bit different in Tuscaloosa. Um, not saying they're going to like fall off a cliff, but it's going to be different. Kentucky is set to hire Bush Hamden as the offensive coordinator. Who the heck is Bush Hamden? He's the OC from Boise State. Years of experience as a play caller in the SEC and the NFL. He replaces Liam Cohen, who just left for the second time in three years for the NFL. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I had to do a little research on old Bush. I don't remember him in the SEC, but he was the quarterback and wide receiver coach at Mizzou. Uh, and this is this is a key number. If you know anything about the way Mark Stoops likes to run offense, Boise State was number six in the country last year, not in passing, Rushing the football. Mark Stoops, you're not going to change his DNA. He wants to run and play strong, salty defense and win games that way. He does not want to go air raid or anything close to it. And one other non SEC note that I think is significant Chip Kelly, that over the weekend, leaving UCLA for the Ohio State offensive coordinator job. I'm convinced no one can win at UCLA. To the level that they want, i just convinced that is that has become kind of a graveyard for coaches. Uh, but man, oh man, to get Chip Kelly calling plays after stealing all these other players in the portal, I use that term in quotation, stealing. Um, something, to, something to keep an eye out for. Anyway, that is your drive around the SEC, courtesy of Ben Hoover and the great people at Love Chevy in Columbia, still home with a $1,000 low price guarantee.
3: And brought no, to you by Love Chevy. Check out the season of love at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I twenty six in Harbison and at LoveChevy Together, let's drive. Brought to you by just- Love Chevy. Check out the season. Of-
6: <laughs> we just love doing that to JV every time. It's 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 so fun. I almost <laughs> typed something into the private chat. Just be like, remember, there's an end. There's an end sounder to. The-. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's see if he remembers. Let's see if he remembers so that's my fault that's uh, that's uh reveling in yeah. been Schaden Freud this morning on
5: a Monday <laughs> you
7: sons of
5: no I'm just kidding uh for those that are just tuning in if you missed it Deshaun Foster has been named the new head coach at UCLA now that Chip is off to be the OC at mm-hmm. um at Ohio State so yes that Deshaun Foster who used to be the running back for the Bruins and then drafted by the Panthers and running back for the Panthers running yeah. back for the 49ers
2: yep that that yep. is a ain't nothing else working higher let's try something different let's go outside the box well, we'll you mean hoping else he'll really be white like, sorry go ahead. In this cycle because chip Kelly was looking for UCLA. uh he he was an improvement but I don't I don't know if he did what they thought he would do like they thought he would provide the type of offensive fireworks that he did at Oregon and that never happened at UCLA Uh, and so therefore they were never like they weren't as good as they thought I agree with you like I didn't think he should be on the hot seat but I think they thought and I think this is part of the reason why Chip left I mean there's talk that he was on the hot seat and he's like do you know you guys know what I'm dealing with look at what Southern Cal gets and look at what you're giving me the yeah. hell with you! I'll go take an OC job. Yeah. And I that's just what beat he did.
5: Too, that's anybody, right. One
2: We beat him. Yeah. Well, Lincoln Riley's not quite the genius that he thought he was, or or Southern Cal thought he was. <laughs> but he's got a lot of money, yeah. so give him that.
5: Everybody enjoy these last 12, 13 games of uh, Lincoln Riley, as this will be his final year as head coach at Southern Cal. <laughs> They're gonna get. Oh, you believe so? Mouth. In the Big Ten, yeah, yeah.
2: I well, you know, I'm not sure if I totally agree with that, Jamie, from the standpoint of as good as the Big Ten is at the top. Like after Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, what are they? And I realize they now at Oregon, but you know, like the Big Ten is not nearly as deep as a league like the SEC.
5: No, that's fair well, they they opened the year in where's that game in Vegas? I know we gotta go we, we gotta hit a break, but they open the year in Vegas against LSU. so who knows what happens, but if they lose, then they got Utah State, then they gotta go to Michigan, yeah, you got Wisconsin at home at I, I mean I'm not
2: on team Lincoln Riley. I think that was pretty obvious with my last comments. No. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, well, I guess. In that conference, uh, uh, no, they, they still should be like they still should win a lot of games. They're just not going too, to win the Big Ten championship anytime. No, I don't not, believe.
5: Yeah. Right, right. And I think that that's going to like and then, and they're so. I mean, dude, like last <laughs> a month ago, we look at this schedule and you are go, oh my god, they got to go to Michigan. They've got to go to Washington. Well, both of those have new ideas. I mean, boy, how how yeah. times have changed. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it could it could wind up being anything. But they also. Could go, you know, nine and four, including a bowl victory, and the folks in at Southern Cal are like, "Yeah, we didn't bring you here to go nine and four. You know, you know better than that, Lincoln. And he's like, "Off to the NFL, I go." Anybody need an OC? You do. Well, that sounds good. I'll be yeah. there. Okay.
2: And that's the thing that's that's always in his back pocket. Although I would say even his stock there has decreased recently. And if you're Southern Cal, like if, when you go out to Southern, when when you go out to like Southern California. It's such a different vibe, man. We, we don't realize how good we have it with the love for college football in the Southeast and the passion 365 out of the year. I go there to do NFL games, and I get in on a Saturday during college football, and you wouldn't even know it exists. They don't talk about it on the radio. There's, there's no buzz in the air. You go into a restaurant. There's no games on college football. It's just It's like another planet out there. Maybe that's a good thing if you're Lincoln Riley because you don't feel the venom that you would if you'd be woefully underachieving at an SEC
5: school. Yeah, they'll be in the big. They'll be with all that Big Ten stuff now. It's I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. I think anything that we thought yesterday is not going to mean the same thing tomorrow. That's how quickly it's all changing. True. Uh, yeah. And uh, anyways, so we'll hit a timeout When we return. We'll tell you where the Gamecocks are in the AP's new top twenty-five and get into the GameCop basketball program. Wow, Auburn on deck. Crazy. We'll be right back.
0: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
2: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
3: screen, and it goes to Brewer, 20, 15, 10,
2: 5, touchdown Brewer, his second of the day.
4: Pitches it to
3: Brewer, turns to Cody, touchdown, number three of the afternoon.
2: Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does For everybody else, whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience and service, second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you.
4: My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious.
0: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
2: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan
3: today.
5: final an hour, and it is a rainy, yucky, nasty Monday in the state of South Carolina, but that will all be out of here soon, and opening day will arrive before you know it. Mad Dog, myself, JB, and the golden Tones of the great Mike Morgan, uh, for another 55 minutes, sending you on your way to wherever you're going after we get off of the air here. We are served by chicken cock whiskey, and we are always live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, where you'll see lots and lots of their work. Founders Park uh, coming up this weekend. And then if you hit the quick road down the street to Colonial Life Arena, where LSU will walk in and uh, take on the now 11th-ranked Gamecocks, you will see much more. Carolina did move up four spots in this week's AP Top 25. Auburn dropped one. You will have a top 15 matchup on the road in Neville Arena, Mike, Wednesday night. This is new territory uh, for GameCop basketball. Nobody on this planet would have possibly said in November, ah, i tell you what, when Auburn and Carolina play over there on the plains, GameCop's going to be ranked higher than them. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, here they are. And, and this is really, this is neat. Um, we've talked a lot about how the rankings don't matter. That's from the basketball sense. They do matter to the fans, and they do matter when you get to have these type matchups because, as you well know, the former voice of GameCop basketball and baseball. See this a lot with Carolina baseball. You're always going to have top 15 matchups, top 20 matchups, top 10 matchups, yada, yada, yada. Not with hoops, unless it's the ladies. But here's Lamont Paris and the boys hitting the road, for what's probably going to be the most difficult road game they'll play this season, but they'll be ranked higher than the team in which they'll play that game, the Auburn Tigers. This it, it, really, it just goes to this ranking again, while it means just nothing when it comes to seeding and all that type of stuff, it does mean something for the growth of the program in less than two years under a coach that everybody wondered, who the hell is that guy when Ray Tanner hired him just a couple of years ago? I didn't. <laughs> i felt like i was on an island last year brother let me
2: just tell you oh my goodness uh you you had some radio talk show hosts who are friends of mine in columbia uh one still on the air one not on the air anymore telling me oh they should have kept frank and they should have done this they should have done that and lamont paris and chattanooga and i was like you guys are are missing the point I, i agree to disagree Um, and of course they had more firepower year. Well, nobody was going to win with that roster last year. Uh, nobody, but to be year two and number 11 in the country, a certified lock for the NCAA tournament and a pretty decent seed if things continue to play out. Yeah. Um, I I'd say that was a pretty good hire. And again, my personal opinion, and I might be wrong on this. I think the way Lamont is building this and the way he will continue to build this is not a, a one off. This is not an anomaly. This is not if you ever took a statistics course in college, and I took a couple because I didn't want to take a foreign language. Uh, this is what you call an out, This is not what you call an outlier. Uh, I, I realize historically speaking, it's an outlier. Anytime the Gamecocks do make the tournament, and when they make it as a as a quality seed, that's really uh, an outlier. But I think this is going to be a program that is going to have sustained success under Lamont. And when the era of the portal, remember now, he's doing this, there's no McDonald's All-Americans. And even the portal guys that they were able to get, yes, they were coveted. And yes, they beat out, particularly like Talon Cooper. I know for a fact that there were some power five schools that were high on him yeah. uh, and and. Carry Rich is a big reason why, and I've mentioned this on the show a number of times. I've known Kerry for a long time, but thats I don't say this out of friendship. I say this out of facts. He is a big reason why that roster looks the way it looks. Sure. Um, Lamont is a big reason why he's getting the most out of the players. Kerry is a big reason why you have who you have out of the portal. And I think this program will continue to be successful in the portals. Are, are they going to get the top player out of the portal every year? No but they'll get good enough players combined with a system and a coach that uh excel at what they do and how they do it that I don't expect this to be like yeah you get to the tournament uh and then you go 5 years without going back. I'll take that bet with anybody right now.
5: Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, there's no no question. There there are of course going to be plenty of things to to deal with in the offseason. One is making sure that you can hold on to L- Lamont Paris, because if there's an opening in college basketball, I assure you, if it's a worthy name, his name is going to be in it. Uh, whether it's actually in it or not, somebody will mention Lamont Paris for any jobs Guys, that's that's worth earned. Do you
2: know how many times Dawn Staley has been courted with other programs? Now Ray she's Tanner. been able to use that to her advantage in contract talks and Ray. get a lot of extra money. Yeah. Um, I promise you, Ray Tanner is not going to let one of his signature hires just go out and signature. jump to another Power yeah. Five job, no. No. and Lamont. Oh, I, I'm not
5: predicting that. Don't, no, don't but a lot wrong.
2: of no, no. I'm not talking to you, Jamie. A lot of people are, and I hear this. Oh, we better pay him this, and we better do this. It, guys, just chill. It's under control. Like, it, it's an SEC school with SEC dollars, and Lamont's already proven you can win here in year two. So I don't think he's going to be in a hurry to jump and go somewhere else. If you know Lamont, again, I went through his whole background during calling the Missouri game. If you know his background, you know he's he's from Cleveland. Uh, he lived. He coached in Wisconsin. He coached in Chattanooga. Like, there's not there's not a particular thing that would be like I got to get out of Columbia and I this is where the grass is greener. Like I just don't see that out of Lamont. Um, you know, Darren Horn had one decent year and was clearly flirting with Xavier and trying to get that job that's not Lamont Paris I just don't see that being a thing
6: yeah I I don't I don't don't either I mean how often is it that you know a a coach's contract is renegotiated in the middle of a of a season, right? I mean, this is going to be post season stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't, right. you
2: don't have yeah. to worry about it now. Uh, yeah. Craig, yeah, want Craig, <laughs> no, you no, no. I love Craig.
6: That was, Craig. Just, that
5: was yeah, just Yeah,
2: yeah. Craig. Craig. You're, you're, you're one of my favorites on chat road. Trust me. You didn't trigger me, but, but, it, but it is out there. Like I, I see it and I hear it. There's a lot of people. Like I think, I think it comes from a psychological place. I'm going to go a little Dr. Phil here where you're a Gamecock basketball fan and you've, you've been abused for so long that you finally have something really good. And you're just afraid it's going to be taken away. Right. <laughs> you're just like, really? it, we're, we don't get good things. We don't, this is not something bad. is going to happen. Like, no, no, I, it, I, I don't feel that way at all. I feel extremely confident that Lamont loves it in Columbia. Uh, and, has great never underestimate the respect that these coaches have for a guy who's actually coached and happened to win two national titles. I know for those of you um, blaming Ray tanner on on the weather and every uh, thing that goes on in the world wrong uh, that that that's like a hobby uh, The fact that Ray Tanner has such credibility among coaches, whether you like him or not, the fact that Ray Tanner hired Lamont Paris. It took a flyer on him when many schools did not, and the fan base wasn't exactly exuberant over it. You never forget that. You, if you're a lump, you, you never forget the guy that believed in you and many others did not. So I, I feel very good about that's not going to uh, change
5: anytime soon. By the way, I, I've had it up to here with Coach Tanner with interest rates. I gotta have a talk <laughs> about interest rates, uh, but we'll we'll do that. And the border—he's the, yeah. the one cutting the wire on the border. I saw <laughs> him the other day. <laughs> I tell you what—he's sneaky now. He, uh he will.
2: He the will Gulf of Tonkin incident—he was the one that helped propel the Vietnam War. I mean, he was the—I'm telling you. You look at every calamity in the history of our country, and somewhere there was Ray Tanner behind the scenes pulling the, lever, the levers of the evil machine. That's Clearly, that's the case.
5: Well, Niners fans today are you know, all over him for having that extra point blocked last night. So a lot of it's, people it's, don't
2: know this. Uh, Seahawks fans know it. Uh, Ray actually called Seattle in that Super Bowl and said, don't give it to Lynch here on fourth and one. Throw the ball over
5: the middle in traffic.
2: That, that was yeah. Ray's call. I, who
5: knew? I just found that out a week ago. I know. He's he's you know he's got I got to get with him on some speed bumps put in our neighborhood. All kinds of stuff. We we got we've got big problems. That uh, he was on that, the grassy
2: that, knoll in '63 in Dallas. I'm just saying. I'm just that that's what I'm hearing.
5: <laughs> Coach, if you're if you're if you're watching, I I know you get it. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> we, we know you get it so we'll, we'll see ray knows me well
2: enough trust me to know <laughs> exactly. when i'm when i'm dripping
5: with sarcasm we'll see you'll we'll see you Friday, Coach. As a matter of fact uh, prepare for our broadcast from founders park phil send me anything that you're frustrated with uh, uh from a uh for literally anything that you if you've got in the state uh from state legislature all the way down to just whatever Gas prices, grocery, you name it. And I'll address all this stuff with Coach Tanner on on Friday. Uh, we'll go over it face to face with him. We'll, we'll have a man to conversation right. about I why gonna I played
6: play the 60-day. HOA meeting up here in a few weeks. But uh, yeah. <laughs> get the man right to his face here.
5: Uh, <laughs> that's why I love when Mike's on because I can I can go off on my sarcastic tangents about all the all the guys that are you know like like. um Gamecock Hero 926. You know what I mean? Who are like eh, eh. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, oh, I lost that game. Damn Tanner, freaking popcorn prices are too much. Yeah. You well, nailed it.
2: I, I um, will say this in defense of Gamecock Nation. Uh, you know I love you. This goes on everywhere.
5: Everywhere. Right. Yeah, exactly. There
2: are a number of athletic directors right now that are being blamed for everything under the sun that's going wrong. Um, because that's you know, again, I call it flailing. Like when a fan is just so mad about something, you like you close your eyes and you're just swinging your fists and you want to hit anything you can. Um, and so it used to be you would just blame coaches for everything, and now that is transcended into administration. And yeah. so you got a lot of ads in the SEC that are you know taking a ton of heat. And if you notice the turnover in athletic directors, it's never been greater. Used to be you just hire the old football coach and he'd hang around for 20 years and tell old stories about the glory days. And then every now and then I'd hire a coach and then get out of the way. (laughs) Now it's they're all hiring, um, well, many of them are hiring like basically glorified fundraisers. Mm. That's what they're doing, Uh, except for Auburn with John Cohen, great baseball coach. Keith Carter at Ole Miss, former basketball player. Uh, Who made his bones in fundraising as an associate AD before he got the AD job there? But the rest of them are like their suits, you know, they're they're lifelong suits. But regardless, they're all, many of them are taking a ton. I mean, like right now, Greg Byrne can't, Greg Byrne looks like a genius at Alabama. He's had all that success and he did hire Nate Oates, but all that success under Nick Saban. Now, if Kalen DeBoer does not work out, you don't think he's going to start taking some heat? for that hire is it justified doesn't matter
6: it from the fan base well I you're mean, right yeah with yeah. Grub leaving this whole thing is just that's set right of that,
2: that, that's there. a great point phil he already is getting you know juiced on the uh flamethrow flamethrowers whatever at uh on the message boards and all that stuff um oh, yeah. he's probably but, like but, what am i doing here what well i mean that's the <laughs> thing like hey you now <laughs> Bama loses three games next year okay. and people are going to call it a crappy hire and they're going to want to fire DeBoer and the AD. That's just the the that's the that's common stance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what an advantage it is to actually have an AD that loves your your university and doesn't want to go anywhere. I mean, Eric Hyman played footsies with North Carolina under the table for years before he bolted for A&M and got let go after like two years. Right. Uh, you, you've got an AD that eats, sleeps, and breathes Gamecocks. He goes to every friggin' game of every friggin' sport when he's not fundraising. I mean, he basically doesn't have a life. That's what a lot of these ADs have right now. You get paid a lot of money, but you also, you're not you're not being a dad a whole lot. You're not being the husband that you were because you spend more hours now as an AD than many of them did when they were in coaching. It's right. It's insane. And then the NIL situation... Nobody knows what the hell to do with that pile of mess. And I'm going to say it again Sankey and Petiti joining forces. Do not underestimate that move. Don't waste your time worrying about the Dartmouth case. Sankey and Petiti joining forces. That is a message. I, I used on JC and Morgan, I used the um, analogy. If, if you've seen Training Day, the, the final scene, Denzel, who was so good in that movie, goes, he's talking to all the. The, the guys there in that in that part of the inner city and they're all looking at him like, hey, man, what are you doing in our neighborhood? And he's like, <laughs> he goes, I'd have to clean this up for the show. You don't run ish. You just live here. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Sankey and Petiti are telling the NCAA and everybody. You're, you've been put on notice. You think you're running things? We don't need you. We can run this stuff ourselves. That's a power play.
5: There's uh, there's no question about that, and there are powerful ads and presidents that will be backing that initiative down the road. Coach Tanner is certainly one of them. For now, he's the AD over the 11th ranked basketball team in the country on the men's side, the number one ranked basketball team in the country on the women's side, and he's also <clears throat> presiding over eight other programs that are currently ranked inside the top 25 this spring. Is that how many? Is, uh, Ten total right now. Wow, I it's did not know that. 20 that's 25. a
2: that's a strong yeah. number.
5: It's a it's a hell yeah, a lot of them are in the top ten. Um, but uh only in the top ten out of the SEC and Ms. Basketball, by the way, is is Tennessee. Uh for what it's worth behind Auburn, the tide are at 15. And then I so I find this <laughs> all right, be honest with this answer. It's not because I'll I'll I'll, I'll let me remove Let me let me find somebody else. Um, let's go with, uh, let's go with Creighton or let's go BYU. All right. Wisconsin has lost four straight games to Nebraska on the road. Who's having a nice year, by the way, Nebraska is. Yeah, they the, are. Um, <clears throat> had a nice game yesterday against Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes in the women's side. So they lost that game. Okay. They lost to Purdue at home. I mean, who isn't losing to Purdue? But then they went and lost to Michigan. If you hadn't paid attention, Michigan ain't very good. Like no. they're like terrible. And then they went and lost to Rutgers, and uh, you know they're, they're not very good either. So they've lost four in a row, and here they are, still ranked twentieth and sixteen and eight overall. Any can, can you name another team that just just drops four straight, and they there they are still right there in the top twenty. And then there that's one. And then you just mentioned the other just a little while ago, the Wildcats, all the struggles they're having, and here's Kentucky still at number 22. Had if the Gamecocks or Mississippi State or Ole Miss or any of these middle of the road, you know, blue collar SEC programs were having those type of issues, the the, the one carryover with Kentucky is you know how talented they are, so it's easier to rank them in the top 25 because they, they're probably one of the top three or four most talented rosters in college basketball, but. But they're but they're not playing like a top twenty five team. If you ask most, neither is Wisconsin. They're both still in the top five. So that just goes to show you when you get some street cred with some of these voters, you, you can stick around a little while if you go through some struggles. Some of the struggles they are. This is why
2: I look. The only reason we're giving hey, the AP poll any credit today is because you happen to have the Gamecocks on eleventh, right? But I really don't. I, I really don't care. Tell me what the latest net is, and I'll show you a more yep. accurate indication of where everybody
5: is. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's Phil, oh, drive that Chevrolet. We just got to the stop. So I'm going to take a right-hand <laughs> turn and we're, we're going to Brought go to to talk to Mike about, about the net stuff. Cause we just talked to John about this. So, and I was um, Preston. I talked to Preston about this this morning and they, they were like, okay, fans are frustrated. And I understand why fans are frustrated because I was, t- it, it just takes some, you got to think about it, and then it makes a little bit more sense. But I get it because I've been there. You you have all these fans now. We're, let's just talk about – we're just talking about South Carolina because this, this is where it matters right here. And, and they're hearing, well, net rank, Carolina keeps dropping in the net rankings. They're at 45 now. And fans are going, what's going on? Why, why are we dropping in net rankings? And then you get analysts or people like – me idiots like me with a microphone saying well don't worry about the net rankings right and then mike they're going well huh all i'm ever told is pay attention to the net pay now all of a sudden don't worry the about net so th- there is a fine line right because the net rankings right now where they matter for south carolina like they're in the tournament they matter for seating net rankings don't matter from a actual national ranking perspective or whatever they they don't matter right now and getting you into the tournament this is not a bubble carolina team like a lot of those teams frank had right they they were either flirting with the bubble or we were all looking at the schedule figuring out ways for them to flirt with the bubble right and so the net ranking became very very important had to their 21 and 3 if they were eighteen and six right now, with maybe a road loss at Tennessee, and it, I don't know, can that loss maybe another non-con loss or something like that? That net ranking would be very valuable in trying to figure out where South Carolina would be. But this is th- John Whittle. I think said it very elo- eloquently this morning. He said there are teams year in and year out who you don't need the net ranking necessarily to understand where they are going to be in the postseason. As of today. This is a higher-seeded South Carolina team with a low net ranking. You passed, that might have been Illinois, or that might have been Ohio State. Man, their net's in the 40s, but they're a four-seed. Well, so these things do clash from time to time. Mm-hmm. But the net ranking, while it always matters, it matters less and matters more based on what you're actually doing to, to take care of business. On top of that, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you here. Okay. On top There's of a- that... You have five right now of seven, and the Gators are one spot out from being a sixth of seven quad one opportunities left. So yeah. if you you run in there and go three and three and six quad one opportunities, have no fear. The net is here. It's got your back when it, when it comes to things like that.
2: Yeah, and Florida has LSU on Tuesday. I don't know how much right. that's going to help their net, but a win <clears> – <throat> But you're right. Uh, by the see, I think Florida is a team that could go on a run late. So no by the end of the year, if you beat Florida at home, that could be that cu- could turn out to be a quad one. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I, I talked about this on I guess when we were together on what Thursday when I was at a hotel in Starkville or somewhere. Uh, th- this is not a team because of the non-con strength of schedule that's going to get in like the twenties of the net. They're just not. So you need to, like, not concern yourself and get overly obsessed with it because, again, if you look at what Lenardi does, he gives you the net, but he also gives you what he thinks the mind of the committee. Well, why do we care about Joe Lenardi? Because every year he gets 67 out of 68 teams right, and his seating is damn close to being spot on. So he knows the way the committee thinks. And my history of following what the committee thinks is – once you, the net is a guide, it really is a guide. It really helps more on bubble teams and mid-major resumes to really kind of stack all that up. But I mentioned the strength of the SEC this year, which right now is on pace to get nine. At bare minimum, they're going to get eight. Okay. Sure. Yep. The committee knows how good the league is. The committee right. knows beating Kentucky and at Tennessee, very quality wins. The committee can also read that Quad One, which could have Grand Canyon and Virginia Tech in it as Quad One wins as well. So the the net, again, <clears throat> these aren't biased people. It's just a computer formula. And it serves a purpose. It's better than any other computer metric out there. But this all goes back to uh, South Carolina's non-con uh, schedule is not going to rank as highly as some of the other teams ahead of them. Uh, which is fine. I still think they, they scheduled smart. you got a new team with a bunch of new faces that needed a confidence boost. Don't schedule L's just because you could say you really scheduled hard. Schedule games that you have a good chance of winning. And so I, I would just say this ad nauseum. The net will not dictate where Carolina is seated. Don't get all bent out of shape over it. The net's not going to be vastly improved here in the couple, next couple of weeks. Uh, and for that matter, it's not going to dip either. Like, you, let's say you lose by ten at Auburn on Wednesday. Okay, it's conceivable. Yeah, Auburn not, beats almost you're everybody. Not you're not moving. Yeah. You're not. Oh shoot, we just—that's one of our worst games of the year. Are we going to drop ten points in the net? No, you won't. You won't. So uh, the net's going to be pretty stagnant for where for where Carolina is and the metrics. But the seating, however, is already much better than the net and could improve even more. If you wind up winning the SEC, I don't care what the net says. The people voting on that committee will say, This is the SEC champion of a loaded right. league. Let's
5: reward them uh, accordingly. And they will be a, a very high seat if that happens. There's no, well, there's no, it, it's, it, it's, and I hear what you're saying about the, you know, how high can it actually go? If they end up winning the SEC, it's, Going jump significantly because they have four uh quad one road opportunities. Now I'm not saying it's going to go to 15 or 10 or something like that, but it won't be 45. You know, right. you like you you will be you will be well into the low 30s, if not upper 20s, mid 20s, maybe. I mean, depending on what those teams. Because remember, like I think this world, like they're like it moved. How did we drop in the net? We haven't even played a game. Well, because the net adjusts with other teams too. So yeah, when they adjust, that adjusts your net.
2: There's 359 other teams to concern yourself with if you're going to look at the the mm-hmm. net. So absolutely, I look. If
6: I'm looking at it from a Carolina, more than anything, because it's a quad three loss. I mean, you know, yeah, it I mean, like, it's true. Georgia keeps dropping these gains, It's like you're you're getting zero help
5: from them in the net. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, but that, it'll never right. be a quad four loss though. So it's
6: still no, 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 be. no. It won't drop that far. No, that's and uh, that's good. Yeah, and it up.
5: Uh,
2: if, if georgia happened to go on the run it could get, get to a quad two but sure well, yeah we'll we'll see how it it turns out but i if i'm a carolina fan and my utopia would be just get a top four seed, just get a a top yeah. four seed, avoid that dreaded five twelve game which yeah. there's always mm-hmm. upsets in that uh and then once you start getting like seven eight nine now you're playing a really good team on the other side very often but uh, you're, oh, you're, you're in position yeah. where you could get a you're top talking four. about the dance i i am talking about the dance
5: yeah um, I, I I'm even I'm even talking about to the SEC champion uh, the SEC tournament, tournament? like yeah go, first of all if you win the league in the regular season guess what you're you're the number one <laughs> team but like if you don't if for some reason they don't and I personally I personally think that they can win the SEC I think that the road is set up for Alabama to win it but I think the game can absolutely win the league with that said, you, if you're a top-four seed, Mike, in the SEC tournament, you also you, you get to sit around a little bit, and that helps you maybe go in and try to do some damage, which also can help your seeding if you're on that four-five.
2: And, and I've said this for years, and I'll maintain this. It is a much more impressive accomplishment to win your conference regular season championship than to get hot for three, four games in Nashville. It just is. And I think sure. most people on the committee know that. I really yeah. do. If If you do your homework... If if you go through an eighteen game excuse me gauntlet uh, of SEC play versus three four games on a neutral site at an event in Nashville, it's much more impressive. So, um, I, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, except in baseball, the conference tournaments even less so because you got teams not using their top pitchers, and they start <laughs> thinking ahead. Like you don't have that yeah. in basketball. You don't okay. like bench your leading scorer because you want to rest them for the NCAA tournament. Uh, but yes, oh, you we, would.
5: You'd yeah. rather win the regular. I, I, Mom, I I wanted to come home. I swear, we got something to do next week. Aren't you playing in Hoover? Oh, that's right. Forgot. Yeah, we got to go get to Hoover play in the sec tournament not that we just went 19 and 11 in the regular season but we're going to go play in hoover for what i don't know um but that's the sec baseball tournament i'm sorry the lsu invitational in know uh, in hoover. the lsu mississippi state uh, it ain't the gamecock invitation i can tell you that no. outside of one run in 04 well for uh, years i
2: mean when i was doing the games uh <laughs> on radio uh, I, I did a few years um, of SEC tournament on on Comcast as well, but I always thought it was an advantage for the Western Division teams because most fans don't have the time or the money to like dedicate a week in Hoover, Alabama, right? Like you'll do that in Nashville, maybe, because I got a lot of things I can get into in Nashville, but in Hoover, um, that's a lot to ask. So you know, the Auburn Alabama fans, they can just get in their car and drive to the ballpark every day. LSU fans are a different breed. They believe that, you know, that is their thing, and so they'll get the RVs out there. But Carolina traditionally does not travel well there. Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, none of those Eastern Division schools ever traveled well to Hoover. And I always thought, wouldn't it be neat if they moved it around a little bit? Um, And it's been talked about and talked about and talked about and never done.
5: I always thought it should be in Atlanta, but, you know.
2: There is a fine home for that event here at Truist Park. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You could even play it at Gwinnett. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful AAA ballpark. And again, there's, there's lots to do. It's easy to
5: get in and out of all that good Why stuff. Why into but, Atlanta? I mean, you can take yeah. a, it's a 30 minute flight from Charleston.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I used to talk about this with my, uh, SCC radio brethren <laughs> and they have watch like the ACC go to Fenway park for a tournament and. Or that was supposed to happen. I don't know if it actually did. Um, and I've done both events. I've done ACC tournaments in in Raleigh and Charlotte. Um, you know, you're never going to make everybody satisfied, but but I do like the rotation. I think SEC football in Atlanta doesn't get any better. SEC basketball in Nashville. You don't need to try any more cities. That's the place. SEC baseball in Hoover. Love Hoover. I mean, I love the job that they do with the event. The city just is fantastic. If you're on the team bus, you get a police escort to and from the ballpark. That's pretty cool. But I think you could rotate it and and see some other ballparks in other cities and let fans maybe closer to the east side give that a shot. Greenville. But nobody cares what I think. That's just yeah, an opinion. <laughs> well, so no, I, my, my, I would so. vote on
5: so – yeah. <laughs> As great as that ballpark is, I, I'm, I would vote for Atlanta or I would vote for Nashville because I've been to the Sounds ballpark. And, Beautiful. Triple-A, yeah. I mean, you're just there. You just walk around and you Memphis has been brought and, up.
2: Another triple-A park. Uh, uh, all right. No for Memphis. I don't like, I don't uh, like Memphis. Okay. Uh, all right. No Beale Charlotte would Jamie. be fine,
5: but the ACC, that's ACC country, it, it would be Nashville or Atlanta. Oh, I yeah. hear you, but it's I
2: don't know if that's located.
6: Yeah, it's the reason they play football there. I mean, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. It's not. not. Yeah. We'll talk about it in know? late May when it happens. You know, it is happening soon.
5: The actual teams that play in the tournament, they get to play on Friday for the first time. When we get back from break here, Mike, uh, we'll slip in. some Carolina baseball, I know you're fired up for SEC baseball, and uh, it looks like the rivalry has returned to the national stage, both Clemson and Carolina, getting a lot of love across the, across the country. I'm uh, fired Wenderson up for you. as well. As well. I'm fired yeah, up yeah. for you, Friday,
2: because yeah. you're getting D's Wings and a taco bar set up by Salsaritas while you're doing that show live at Founders for how many hours? Five? Uh, four. Yeah. Four. four. Oh, ten to Ten to two, ten to ten, two. yeah. Ten to yeah. two? So four hours – you're going to be eaten like a champion with your feet up and interviewing yeah. <laughs> the biggest and best Gamecock
5: baseball dignitaries while you're stuffing yeah, your face I'm, full of wings and tacos. And I'm a little concerned about that for, for, for mad dog, you know, like, all right, time for a break. And he's over there, he's got a taco in one mouth and his mouth, <laughs> and he's trying to figure out how to shove a wing in it. You know, so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we're probably gonna have to bring an intern or something up there just in case mad dog gets a little, little, uh, Little overblown on the at the taco bar, um,
6: right. with the- two tacos. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey, hey that's right. Phil, I'll have to make sure my clicking finger is ready. You know, you, not greasy <laughs> It stays true through the. Uh, entire- you just- You're a pro.
2: You'll you'll pull <laughs> yeah. it off, Mad Dog. I have confidence in you. But they'll make sure to bring plenty of napkins for you.
5: Yes, Mad Dog. Is that a chicken wing in the taco shell? Well,
4: yeah. It, well, Hold yeah. It- yeah. Why are you it,
5: Oh, break? Okay. The,
4: uh, <laughs> you didn't think of it. Wings. <laughs> wings are a little dry. We're the damn Coach
5: Tanner. Didn't sauce these wings before we went on the air. All right. Uh, uh, let's, let's hit a quick time now. Uh, we, we'll be h- hitting up GameCock Traditions before Friday. I tell you that. Uh, make sure we get all the baseball gear we can. So you should too. GameCock Traditions in Lexington. The village at Sandhill and online, GameCott Traditions.com and right in the Chief Sports app. Bam, bam, bam. Three buttons ordered, delivered to your doorstep. We'll be right back. It's 2024, and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big GameCock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you, getting healthy and staying healthy. From CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year.
2: Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Borkin here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was salseritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still salseritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient salseritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta Packs to take every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297
5: rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
2: this break is presented by billy g's carolina barbecue the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering best barbecue and best food truck visit billy g's carolina BBQ.com for all of your catering needs
6: ladies and gentlemen here it is what's up gamecock fans this is ethan petrie from Land O'Lakes, florida And you will listen to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox!
3: Deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and
1: it is gone.
6: The 0-2 is sent to center. And this one is going to be long gone.
7: Shot the opposite field from Casas, And it's gone. 2-0. That's
5: tripping keep to left. Langford looks up and it's gone. Right around the corner, Mike. Chicks dig the long ball, you know.
2: Yeah, I like to think they dig like a three seventy five hitter as well. That you know puts the ball in play, grinds out yep. at bats, gets gets good contact, and uh, by hook or by crook, he gets on first. I think Straight Chick's gonna appreciate
6: that. The high on base percentage, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You'll, you'll never convince me. Like there, there's a guy here in Atlanta, um, and obviously Braves talk dominates. You know the the, the season uh, of the spring, that and spring football. But he's like, uh, you know, strikeouts don't matter. An out's an out. You know, uh, strikeouts don't matter. Like, no, they do, bro. <laughs> um, you, guess, you, yeah. When you got, when you got runners on base and you can't move them over and you just go down on four pitches swinging, that's a, that's a crippling at bat. Like, that is, especially in the college game, uh, not being able to strike out. Productive outs, uh, they do matter they did. getting on base drawing a walk does matter uh all those things matter i am well familiar with moneyball and analytics and all the things out there that um people are trying to say that the way the game has changed but one thing hasn't changed uh getting on base is always important which actually was a moneyball uh, tenet and and a productive out versus a strikeout does make a difference uh, there's 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 that's that much hasn't changed. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what numbers you throw at me. That does that hasn't changed. Thousand percent agree. You know what else hasn't changed, Ryan Brewer? He hasn't. Uh, <laughs> beautiful, Jamie. This is why you're a pro. This is why you're. Uh, I I'm already putting you on the ballot next year, South Carolina Sportscaster of the Year. I'm just saying. I don't care I, about it? I, I know you don't care about it. I've seen uh, some just, of the people to win that award. Yeah, Yeah, no comment. Well, look at me. I had to bribe the judges to win it. Uh, But Ryan Brewer, who you mentioned, Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise with Ryan Brewer Fence. And they have a schedule to keep and do just that with their clients. In other words, they always, always. Hit their date. Check out the uh, website, ryanbrewerfence.com, or Ryan ryanbrewer. Uh, I just screwed that up, didn't I? Ryan Brewer. Broadnet. yeah. I'm yeah. making up my own website. Sorry about that, Ryan. Ryanbrewer.net. A number of our listeners have already um, kind of chimed in about the great job that Ryan does, and I can speak. It's been a while, but I can speak on behalf of that is when I... Had my home built in Columbia a long time ago. He did the work there, and it was outstanding. And, yes, it was on time. Uh, He'll do the same for you. RyanBrewer.net. Tell him you heard about it here on ITG. And, as always, Gary Patterson, another sponsor of the Power Hour for all your insurance needs. One simple phone call, or you can uh, just go to the website there as well, GaryPatterson.net. Your your life, your home, your auto, you can bundle it. And Gary will serve all of you in the Midlands and beyond. He's been in Lugolf now for, gosh, a couple of decades since I first started mm-hmm. using him. But he uh, is outstanding. They're not all built the same. Trust me, I've learned the hard way. Not all insurance companies and not all insurance agents are built the same. You can trust Gary Patterson to do an outstanding job for you.
5: You can trust anybody from Lugolf. That includes Monty Lee. <laughs> That's his hometown. He yeah, is. <laughs> I know it. An outstanding coach at uh, at Carolina. Mike, you're one of the great voices of, of AC baseball as well. It's it's not – this is – look, the Big 12 is about to change, but historically the Big 12 has, has been an outstanding league, an outstanding league. Uh, the ACC is also about to change, although you can make the argument they'll be getting better in baseball. Uh, Stanford and SMU has got a good program. Um <clears throat> always had an outstanding league but there's just nothing like the SEC there just isn't it's it's not a debatable like you you can't i know college baseball doesn't run in circles across the nation like it does you know here in our neck of the woods um in, in the southeastern united states but if it did nobody across the country could be able to sit there and say no i, I don't know about the SEC this year well then you probably shouldn't be doing anything in sports because it's the best league in college baseball every year. Um, there's multiple numbers that prove that national championships will be one, but also draft picks and and all those type of things. And once again, this year is not going to be any different. And and that makes it all that more difficult for every team to get through it. Uh, and to, to get through it with what the records looked like in the old days, Mike, those, those days are kind of gone. I mean, you might have a t- team or two that's elite. But even those programs that are elite, see Tennessee two years ago, uh, don't make it. Carolina this year has 22 games on their current schedule versus the top 25. Well, they play 56, so you do the math on that. 18 of their 56 versus the top 10. Ooh, I mean it's but but you can do this every year. You can do this every single year. Carolina fans want to be the team that beats all those teams. Like there always is one, and, and there's. A lot of understanding and that is this program is, uh, has long been one of the most storied in the history of college baseball. Um, but, Mike, you know, when you look at this league and all set to go this week, some of them are going to be playing teams like Miami of Ohio, as Carolina is. Some will be tournaments. I know you got the Round Rock tournament coming up. I think Kentucky's headed that way. Um, you don't, I don't think, get a grasp on just how deep the conference is until you kind of start getting through about mid-March and into early April. And, and then those that are casual fans begin to pay attention and start to kind of see, oh, wait, wait a second. This thing is this thing is very difficult to do. But it's just going to be another round of teams beating up on each other and um, 15, 20 losses. You've had an outstanding year.
2: Everything you just said, you could, like, put it on uh, a digital MP3 file, and we could play this again next February and the following February, and in 2032, probably play it again there, except even more so because there'll be Oklahoma and Texas doing their thing. Um, Yeah, like it's it's nothing new. If you've been around SEC baseball in particular, I go back, if you want to go back this far, to to 1997 covering the, the SEC tournament in Columbus, Georgia, the last time it was anywhere but Hoover. Uh, and then, of course, ten years of calling it for Carolina, and more than that for ESPN. It it it's people get tired of hearing it, so I almost like I get tired of saying it. But everything you said is one hundred percent accurate. Like it, it it the the line of demarcation between the SEC and the other conferences in terms of top to bottom prowess, it's unmatched. And it used to be where like the Big West could go in there with a Cal State Fullerton and say, oh, yeah, well, we play a different kind of baseball, and you're not going to like it. We're going to take away your home runs, and we're going to be right. active on the bases, and we're going to grind out at bats, and you're, you're going to find yourself losing to us, even though you've got more draft picks and you've got a shinier ballpark and louder fans, but we're still going to win. That was a thing for a while. Lately, man, it's been almost all SEC. The dominance over the last decade is unprecedented, I think, in any sport, Jamie, when I think about this. I mean, what other sport has a conference dominated it over a 10-year span? And I'm just throwing 10 years out. It might be 15. What other sport can you think of? I mean, the closest thing would be that run in college football, which is which is up there. But even then, I would say, like, yeah, college football, the championships were dominated by the SEC. But... There were other leagues that, you know, had deep teams. And quite frankly, there were mediocre teams in SEC football during those years that Alabama and Georgia were racking up national championships at LSU in, with Burrow in 2019. In baseball, I mean, the league is like getting 10 a year in the tournament and schools number 11 and 12 can go to one of those tournaments you alluded to and do damage Yeah, it's just different. It it, it's just absolutely different. So uh, it's the last time I'm going to say it because you know it's like it's redundant. I get it, and people get tired. People that aren't SEC fans get tired of hearing it, and and Gamecock fans don't want to hear. Well, that's why you lose some of the games you lose because you're playing elite competition almost every weekend, and Mm -hmm. and you know how it is, Jamie. I mean, team loses a series, and it's like the sky is falling. What the hell's wrong with this, that, and the other? I will say this: I I totally agree with those that think it's a very big year to get to a super regional. I I agree with that. I I think you want to get back to the point where that should happen a fair amount of times, and then at that point, best two out of three. You just hope to break through and get to Omaha. You got to be a little bit lucky. You got to be good. You got to have big moments in big situations. Um, But you need to get out of the regional round. And you need to get to the supers where you're just two wins away from Omaha.
5: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Look, I, I've I've always said. I mean, a lot of people don't like to listen to me talk about baseball because I, why? I just
2: I, <laughs> you you know I the sport a, you love the sport.
5: Yeah, that's why. Because I you know I'm I'm realistic about things, and and I say something a little bit different, which I know you'll understand, which is you want to make sure that you've got a chance every year you want to make sure that you've got a chance every year. You want to make sure that you've got a chance. And good programs, when they have a chance, they break through more often than not. And that's exactly what South Carolina did under Coach Tanner. They had a chance every year, and they broke through more often than not. Although, there were there were quite a few years, as you well know. Like, 08 is one of them. They took a Reese Havens walk-off uh, to really put them in position to, to make sure that they could get into the put I mean, There was still some doubt. They were about to miss the SEC tournament back in 2008. And that run will come to an end. And then Reese hit the ball out of the yard and beat yeah. the balls at the Sarge. And all of a sudden, all was good. They're in. They're going to be fine in the postseason. But, but like, so, you know, now with all that said, the you don't miss the postseason, in South Carolina. And there are going to be times where in every single program, you're going to miss the postseason. Yes. But you don't miss, but you can say it with the same in the same sentence in my mind. You don't miss the postseason. It's gotta be something crazy that happened. And generally that's how it is. You know, you get a bunch of injuries. Arkansas has been through this. Florida has been through this. Vanderbilt has been through this. South L's LSU missed years, the tournament. The last the last <laughs> the last two national champions, Ole Miss and Mississippi State have been through this. Missed the you tournament know, so the year after. Right. Missed the tournament. Yeah. Like it, it, it but but you can say stay in the same breath, and I truly believe this. Because they they've earned this, you don't miss the tournament. But people also need to be understanding. That every blue moon, you might miss one. You don't miss three and five years, at Carolina. No,
2: that's no. fair. And I think I no. think fans would sign up for the following today. Get me to Omaha in 2024, and then I'll I'll suffer an off year in 2025. But I just want to taste Omaha again. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. most fans would understand that because the, the the thing you mentioned. Ole Miss wins an Addy, no tournament the next year. Mississippi State wins a championship, no tournament the next year. LSU has, has had that happen, uh, not make the NCAA tournament. And those folks, I mean, they live for it, and they think it's their birthright to go to Omaha every year. And there's a few fan bases like that, and maybe some Carolina fans feel that way, but it's not. It's not your It's not your birthright to make the Omaha every year. It wasn't before Ray Tanner got here, and it's not going to be after Ray Tanner is, is gone now, which has been what? uh 20 uh, 40, 10 years right it's the 10th oh, year
5: shoot no no uh his last was 12 so it was 12, 11 12, years, 12, 12 years yeah. this will be the 12th yeah. sir i didn't
2: i was told there'd be no math um so yeah I, look you <laughs> I, I get it like you you go three straight years to the finals and you're thinking, well, clearly we're going to go to Omaha every other year, at least. Yeah, this but will never that, end. That That's just All not right. the way it works. It, it's just, I'm telling you, um, and I, I've seen it with the best of the best programs, you have no guarantees uh, that just because you put a lot of money into your ballpark and your program draws well in attendance and you have a nice tradition... Uh, I think of a guy like Dave Van Horn, who, and I know Ray Tanner would echo this, I think is one of the best coaches in all of college baseball.
5: Yeah. One of the best.
2: Watch the way he manages the game, the consistency. Never won a championship. Now, he was a pop fly away if it was handled properly. That's that's the right fielder's ball. Uh, Anyway, uh, if it was handled properly, he would have had one. But they don't. And he's been there 20 years. He's an elite coach. He's never won Omaha. He's missed the SEC tournament once or twice. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, as recently as they were the number one seed, and I had them in the super regional, and they lost in game three to NC State. That team was number one in the country, won the SEC, won the SEC tournament, had Kevin Copps, who was like just this elite relief pitcher. He was like an alien, had a lineup that was loaded, and they got bounced in game three of a super. Does that mean Dave Van Horn can't coach? No, it means it's baseball. And so it, it, if LSU is not winning it every year and Arkansas is not winning it every year and they're not going to Omaha every year, that ought to give you a good barometer of how hard it is to get there. That being said, yes, if I would have never guessed this lengthy of a drought for, for certain. Uh, and you can blame it on X, Y, and Z, and that's fine. But I do believe uh, it's it's just a matter of time before they get back I just don't know oh, what team sure. it's going to be. Could it be this year? I mean, they got the, they got the lineup. They got they had the talent, but that doesn't mean you're going to go. And and remember this now: the number one overall seed going into the postseason has not won at all since 1999. Miami. If yep, that doesn't tell you how unpredictable the baseball postseason is, I don't know what does.
5: Absolutely. Well, I, I can tell you there was a lot of teams that, or a lot of folks that. Uh, there was no chance in hell they could have projected that 2010 team to go on and win the national championship the way they did, especially after Clemson walked in and and whipped them 19 to six that Sunday uh, over at Founders Park, Carolina Stadium back then, giving the Gamecocks two of their first three series losses starting the yeah. year six and four. Fire Ray Tanner, he couldn't get through the regionals last year. He's old, he's done, and Ray Tanner flipped the middle finger at everybody. Not literally that I, at least I'm aware of and went out, won a national championship. So, you know, you just don't ever know. I will say this going into the year, <clears throat> you never know how it can turn out. Things feel right again. And what, what I mean by that is, and you'll understand this very well, Mike, mm-hmm. they have preseason all Americans. Mm-hmm. They're on every top 25 preseason list. Clemson is good. That does matter uh, because this series is the series when it comes up in the beat first weekend of March. And you, you, there, there's a lot of these little things that this used to be the norm. Clemson and Carolina every year were in the top 25. Yeah. They were playing for something. They both had All-Americans. They both had all preseason players of the year. They both had this. They both had that. It, it's got more of that feel back to it in this state, and this state is the best college baseball state out there alongside the state of Mississippi. So I can't wait to see how it all unfolds.
2: Yeah. I look. I can't wait for your show Friday. I think that's going to be an outstanding thing, and kudos to you for organizing it uh, the way that you did. and And fans love to get to the ballpark as soon as they can. I will say this: I don't start really paying attention to records and stats and everything until we get to conference play, and even then, I need a few series sample size. Like I need nine games to really tell you how I feel about certain teams. So it's great when it you know inevitably. <laughs> Like LSU fans are classic. Like they'll lose a midweek game to, or a, a game in February to Oral Roberts six to five. And, and oh, how do we look guys guys? Oh, it, it's going to we... happen. No, no it's going to happen. So that's to, 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 to be to, Carolina's
5: only team that loses midweek games in February,
2: but to, to get overly emotional about results of games in February, don't do it. Just, just a, <laughs> just a little tip from uncle Mike. Don't do it. I don't want to say they're irrelevant, but I will tell you that it's not a great indicator of what kind of team you are or what's going to happen come come May and June when you really make your bones and define the season. Like It's just so many games in February, and I think the season starts way too early. I could go on and on about this. Um, but since it is what it is, you're going to play games in crappy weather uh, and you're going to have matchups that... are are less than than strong. You mentioned Carolina Clemson. That speaks for itself, and I wish that was later in the year, but that's a whole other story. Um, But in the end, like, it won't matter much. Let, Let me know when we've started conference play and we're a few series in. Let me know then, and I will say one more thing, and I know we're over time. You can be the best team out there, and all it takes is two injuries to your rotation, and you are cooked. I've seen it happen too many times. It's not like the major leagues. If this happens to the Braves, they make a trade, they call up their top prospect from AAA, and the problem necessary isn't necessarily solved, but it's mitigated. In college, with eleven point seven scholarships, you are out of options, my friend. You are you 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 have nothing you can do at that point. So every great team is a couple of arm injuries away from watching their season fall. Uh, in a big way, unfortunately. And knock on wood, that will not happen to the team in Columbia this year. You almost
6: watched it happen last year. That's right. Middle stretch of that SEC schedule.
5: This is this stuff I get. I I don't understand this. Robert says, why play midweek games if you don't want to win? Who said that they don't want to win midweek? Did anybody ever say that ever in the history of mankind? Where do you come up with this crap, guys? Come on, knock it off. (laughs) You know? And knock off. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You you put words in people's mouth. Nobody said that, ever. Nobody has ever said that, actually. In the like history, it's, it's in a history of
2: conversations, no one's ever said that.
5: Like, that's never been said ever, ever <laughs> in the history of anything. You made that up. <gasps> Holy, that's the crap that drives me nuts. Well, guys, just it, they don't want to win the midweek games.
4: They, they, they just don't want to win them.
2: They you want to win every game, but... Keep in, mind, keep, keep in mind, you're not starting your weekend, guys, on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. You're not going to do it. Why? Because the SEC <laughs> conference games are a hell of a lot more important. They just are.
7: Uh,
5: I don't, don't want to eat anymore. Mike, I don't ever want to eat again. I don't want to drink water. I don't want to walk. It's uh, nothing like. I always know your hot button, Shady. I know I you're hot like, button. I don't even, that's not even anything to do with South Carolina. It has that's to it do with gonna everybody.
6: Do. Well, well, we're going to spend the next like, four months with him yelling at people at the chat box. <laughs> I can't freaking wait. Let's go. I can't, can't It's the one time I, you, of the year where JB's emotional and not JC. It's awesome. It's the. It's the well best. because I I can't
5: get stupidity. I don't have a problem with differing opinions. Stupidity can't do it. Like yeah. I just can't do it. You know, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I just don't say anything. Maybe listen to people uh, that do. Good stuff.
7: Oh, that's and the we gotta,
5: hey, we'll get with we, we get with we got King with. tomorrow at twelve. I'm asking why the hell he schedules these stupid midweek games because they don't want to win fine. them.
7: Yeah, we'll
6: ask him why he doesn't want to win them. You know, yeah. you know, for putting you know freshmen and and you know.
2: Did you tank that loss to Wofford back in 2018? Just be honest. <laughs> you didn't really care, did you?
6: You went through the motions. You can admit it.
7: That's right.
6: How many phone calls did you make to a guy on Pete Rose Boulevard that year? For those <laughs> oh, <geez>. midweek games.
3: <laughs> He's an idiot. Right. You yeah. want to win
5: these games.
6: All right. On that note. Cold shower. Day, cold
2: shower.
0: Yeah, hey, no, I'm fun fine. as
2: always, love the ITG family, chat row, love you, everybody else, nothing but love to throw around, sun's going to come out tomorrow, this crappy rain will go away, I think, I hope. Phil's and, brother's uh, back. Look forward to being back on with you guys.
5: Phil, hey, Phil's brother's back. We got, a, we got yeah, to pick this thing this, out before. Right. Yeah, I've, uh,
6: I have not uh, voluntarily <laughs> taken yeah. one of those DNA tests. I figured I'd reserve that for when it really mattered. You <laughs> are not. Save that.
2: Save that, 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 that
6: for the Povich show, show
2: Phil. Right,
0: yeah, it's that's.
2: It's uh, not mine. I swear. Oh,
5: yeah. uh, Mike. <laughs> uh, hey, where are you this week? Where are you? What game do you have? Uh, I, 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 Florida, Georgia, in
2: Athens is where I shall be. So, boy, they need that. Dang. Uh, in a in a in a big big way. Um.
5: Or so does Florida. (laughs) So they both need it.
2: Yeah, and I'll have Florida uh, back to back games in Gainesville later on in the year. And at Mm -hmm. that point, again, I think they could actually be a team that starts to go on a little bit of a run. If you look at their schedule compared to some of the others, a little bit lighter. Oh, yeah. A little bit lighter. They're looking, yeah,
6: and they're going to hand out a couple of losses to some teams that don't want them, I think, too.
2: Yeah, and they and they have what Carolina has in that they've got great guard play. They they like if if you watch the uh Pullen kid, he plays like Talon Cooper. He can dominate a game scoring 10 points. And I, I say that as a massive compliment. Like there's a lot of players that can't do that. They can't help you win if they're not scoring. Talon Cooper does. Uh Pullen can. And then he's got the Clayton kid who is a great high school football player and that was his number one sport and they've got The Kugel kid was the top NBA guy, but uh, he was off to a bad start. Now he's playing better. So I think they're a a dangerous team. I mean, shoot, this league is so frigging loaded, man. And Auburn on Wednesday night, I don't know if I'll be on with you between now and then. Um, Again, Auburn just wears you down in that building with 10 guys playing 15 minutes or more. But if you can survive their depth... And and just stop the big runs that they have at home. You know, Carolina certainly has the talent to play with them. It just you don't want to let it become their game.
5: That's very well said. When it comes to playing the Tiger, especially in Neville Arena, we're gonna yeah. find out.
2: Where, where it sure. used to be, I mean, a, a, a home game
5: that's at right. Auburn for
2: like twenty years was one of the worst environments, and now it's one of the yeah. best. It's amazing places. how that's changed. <laughs> it,
5: the Magic of Bruce. And Bruce, and Bruce takes his shirt off after the game. Uh, Thanks, Mike. Uh, Have uh, safe safe travels to (laughs) right up the street, Athens, Georgia, and um, we'll talk to you later on this week. Okay, see
2: you guys. There
5: you go, the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan. Thanks to John Little for joining us earlier. Mark Kingston will join us tomorrow at noon. Hale Brunahan will be in as well to get some of his uh, Carolina football stuff off his chest. Where do we have one other? guest, I can't remember who it is. I don't know. We'll figure it out between 11 uh, now and 11 o'clock tomorrow. For Phil, I'm JB. Have a marvelous Monday. And you've been watching and listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show.